We are now back into open session. Announcement of items for closed session. Well, we have. Well, we discussed, uh, we got an update on the negotiations with classified. We had a lengthy discussion on that. And we've hired some new people. Uh, Maria de Jesus Lopez has been hired as an admissions and records clerk. Scott Allen has been hired as a communications and marketing specialist. Liliana Seha is being hired as a secretary, too, with a financial aid EOPS. Dr. Alicia Thomas, Alicia Thomas has been hired as a biology instructor. Christina Trujillo has is a, been hired as a speech communication instructor. Nancy McHenry has been hired as a college librarian. And congratulations to each one of them. Dan, was that all by unanimous vote? Yes, it was. Thank you. And if you all please uh, rise and repeat the, with me the Pledge of Allegiance. Adoption of the agenda. Is there a motion to do so? So moved. Is there a second? On the question, all in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? I'm Any sorry, there was a, um, a recommended change. Oh, yes. Reorder agenda item 10.1, the bond measure after action report, will has been moved up a little bit closer to item 6.0. So, uh, above it or before public comment? After public comment. So, uh, is there a motion to uh, accept the agenda with that change? Okay. Second. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay. So, 5.0 public hearing. 5.1, negotiations for the propos proposal from the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals. The 2015-2016 negotiations proposal from the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals appears in the backup documents for this meeting. Copies are also posted in the administration building and are, available, are available in the Office of Human Resources. See also action item 12.10. <coughs> that doesn't Charlie, do we have to do anything specific, gavel up or down on these? Um, yeah, you officially open the public hearing, I think so, and right? then go through the items. And if there are any comments from the public, this is this is a way to um, make available to the public the, the kinds of items that we're negotiating. And then, if there's no comment, then you would close the public hearing for each one, not just the whole five. Okay. You can do it for the whole, you can open the hearing for all four and then close Why don't it. I read all four and then ask if there's comments on any of the four. 5.2, Napa Valley Community College District proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals for the contract period beginning July 1st, 2015. The district proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals 
for the contract period between July 1st, 2015 and June 30th, 2016 appears in the backup documents for this meeting. Copies are posted in the administration building and are available in the Office of Human Resources. See also action item 12.11. 5.3. 2015-2016 Negotiations Proposals from the Napa Valley College Faculty Association. The 2015-2016 Negotiations Proposal from the Napa Valley College Faculty Association appears in the backup documents for this meeting. Copies are also posted in the Administration, administration Building and are available in the Office of Human Resources. See also Action Item 12.12. And lastly, 5.4, the Napa Valley Community College District proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Faculty Association for the contract period beginning July 1st, 2015. The district proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Faculty Association for the contract period between July 1st, 2015 and June 30th, 2016 appears in the backup documents for this meeting. Copies are also posted in the, in the administration building and are available in the Office of Human Resources. See also action item 2013. So, this brings us to public comment 6.0. At this time, the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. Oh, you're absolutely right. The public hearing the previous uh, items that I just read, does anybody wish to comment on those items? 5.1 through 5.4? Seeing no one, that public hearing is closed. On to public comment. Where did I leave off? The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a three-minute presentation. At this time, the board chair will poll those in attendance regarding their intent to speak on the agenda. I have two cards up here, so uh, I'll call first uh, Cassidy Nolan to speak on funding for Vets Lounge. Oh, please. I apologize. Uh, Hi today. Busy day today. But uh, how are we doing today? Right. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cassidy Nolan. I am president of the Veterans Club here at the Napa Valley College. I have been so for the past two years or so, a year and a half. Um, I was the one that uh, Mr. DeHaro, we shook hands when the Veterans Lounge was actually opened up in October of last year, or two, two years ago now. I'm here solely for the fact that the possibility of, of receiving some funds to actually refurbish that Veterans Lounge. For those of you who may have been in there at least once or haven't been in there, uh, the best way for me to describe it is that it's not necessarily friendly or oriented for veterans in any sense other than it has a couple of computer terminals, which... We do utilize on an everyday basis and, of course, some tables. But for a lot of the veterans that are returning home and being in an environment, we more or less would really like to see something that's 
uh, more geared towards veterans. Uh, we maybe feel more comfortable when we're in there. There's around 400 or so uh, veterans that are actually attending the college here. At best, we probably get 30 or 40 that are actually going in and out of that actual lounge. We'd like to try and capture more if that's possible. Um, I've already gotten a couple estimates, a couple of quotes, uh, possibly maybe $1,500 or less to maybe repaint the entire place, maybe get a new couch, maybe mount a television in there, uh, something along those lines. Possibly projector, yeah, board meeting. No, no. Depends on what have on the projector, I suppose. We unfortunately do not have a projector, and ah. I know that they are quite expensive, but that's not a priority. Uh, but we would like to see it, like I said, it's just, if anything, at the very least, um, you know, a, a repainting of the room, maybe maybe actually like a post-shelf. Um, the room itself is obviously an old, an old changing table for the small theater. So. It's something that a lot of the veterans would like to Thank you. Um, you know, you might um, put some of that in writing and, and bring it to the president's office and we can see what we can do. Yes, sir. I understand. Thank you. I'll make sure to get on that before summer, summer ends. <laughs> At your leisure. <laughs> Thank you. Next is uh, Beth Cahiga, John Shea, and Ricardo Dominguez speak on funding for Napa Valley Support Services. Well, thank you. You already did our introductions, and I'm Beth Kahiga. Um, we're here to thank you, to thank the Board of Trustees and Napa Valley College for your partnership with Napa Valley Support Services. There are a variety of recent reports about the failing system for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities these have included information that inadequate rates have driven approximately 30% of agencies in the state of California uh, to go out of business over the last 10 years. Because of our partnership with Napa Valley College, this, is not this has not happened to Napa Valley Support Services. On behalf of the families, clients, staff, and community members involved in Napa Valley Support Services, I'd like to thank you for partnering in the continuation of services to individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities in our community. And I'm going to let Ricardo talk about what that means to him. My name is Ricardo. I live in Napa. I participate in services provided by Napa Valley Support Services, ENVIS. In collaboration with, uh, Napa, with Napa Valley College, I spoke to you nearly two years ago Envis has suffered suffered a sixty seven percent reduction in funding 
from the college because of the Great Recession. And my housemate Ian had lost his job on the landscaping job and on campus. Today I thank you for the bottom of my heart. Here's why. Today I thank you from the bottom of my heart. One final financial support for the college from the college is expanded. More than making up the earlier 67% reduction to my housemate Ian and the landscape crew return to work here at the college. Three. Three. I am benefiting from a willing what? From from a wellness class walking every day and eating right fruits and, fruits and veggies I love music for I love music I am enjoying a drumming class five I'm un what? I'm learning to use the computer. Especially to use to express my thoughts. I'm looking forward to what? To taking a use newsletter class. I sub at jobs and the yard crew and the recycling and the recycling crew. Again I thank you for helping me be what all I can be and for having my housemate in return to work and I'm looking forward for learning more to being an increasingly responsible member of our community thank you very much
Thank you. Is there anyone else on public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. In the reordered agenda item 10.1, the bond measure after action report. This item was placed on the agenda to allow further discussion of post-election analysis, next steps, and future bond feasibility. In January 2015, the Board of Trustees directed staff to develop an after-action report related to Measure E. Dr. Kraft. Hi, thank you. And um, we have a, a, a faithful representative here tonight, so if you could introduce yourself for the record, and then we can go from there. Certainly. I'm Brian Godby from Godby Research. Thanks. And Brian's going to walk us through um, a uh, PowerPoint. And um, as you know, this came up um, several several months ago, and we worked on it um, um, to try to provide a, a good encapsulated view of, uh, of the uh, post-election analysis. So let's just let him unpack it, and then we'll have questions or answers. Great. Uh, thank you, Dr. Kraft. Uh, Mr. President, members of the board, I'm pleased to be here to... Uh, go through this data. There's um, hours and hours of conversations and uh, telephone interviews that happen, uh, and I'm going to try to encapsulate that as quickly as possible. I apologize if it seems dense, but I will try to summarize as best I can. Uh, to begin with, uh, as uh, you know, uh, the purpose was to look at the post-election analysis of Measure E. Uh, that included uh, secondary research of a variety of different uh, information sources from Measure E, to look at executive interviews, uh, of which several of you participated in, uh, look at focus groups of key stakeholders, uh, and then a quantitative survey of the no voters in the community, not to replace the survey that you did before, but a different kind. Uh, we all, the executive interviews and focus groups were explicitly designed to look at public perception of the college, both positive and negative, uh, the, the effectiveness of the district's pre-electoral efforts, uh, the effectiveness of the independent campaign, and then uh, a way forward, moving forward. In terms of the methodology, just uh, by a quick summary, uh, again, we did executive interviews, focus groups, and telephone interviews. The executive interviews included 15 respondents, uh, which were uh, representative of the business community, district trustees, the Taxpayer Association, and district management. Uh, the focus groups uh, included staff, faculty, administrative senate, and students, uh, and the telephone interviews uh, were 202 November 2014 voters. So these were actually people who did cast ballots uh, who told us they were no or undecided voters. Uh, in terms of the executive interview participants, this is the list. I won't read through all of them. Some of you, again, will see, um, see your names on here, both from the audience as well as from the board members uh, and staff. Uh, in terms, again, of for the focus groups, the first one was of college staff, and that was very well attended. Uh, the second was faculty, the third was the administrative senate, and the fourth was uh, students. The universe for the telephone survey, as I said, was the likely November, or not likely, sorry, actual November 2014 voters uh, that resided in precincts that had at least a majority no. We used that metric because we wanted to get to the no voters as quickly as possible. We weren't trying to do a representative sample uh, as you've done in the past. We were really trying to figure out what the no voters thought and why they thought that. That sample was 202 total interviews. 185 of them were no voters, and then 17 of them were don't know voters, uh, who oftentimes 
uh, will wind up voting no. So it's important to, to look at them as well. Uh, the next section uh, I'll try to go through again uh, expeditiously. This is uh, a variety of the key takeaways or key things that we heard from people in both the executive interviews and the focus groups. Uh, and the first one of those was what were their positive perceptions of uh, the community college. Uh, and it started with affordable uh, education, uh, gateway to a four-year degree, convenient for Napa residents, hometown feel, uh, among some of the others. When we turned to negative perceptions uh, and unfavorable views of the college, we heard quite a few different things. Uh, we heard need leadership at the top of the list. We heard wasting taxpayer funds, not accountable, lack of transparency. A lot of that dealt with the 2002 uh, expenditure of bond measure funds. We heard mismanagement of funds, again, mostly related to the 2002 measure. Uh, we heard the college is an island or an ivory tower or not part of the community, um, and the message that people get is that we don't want you um, to, to be here. Uh, no specific plan for, the edu for education or facilities, uh, and that's both respect to 2002 measure and moving forward. Uh, need better outreach and communications was a consistent theme. Switching gears and talking a little bit about the responses uh, that people gave us, again, in both the focus groups and the executive interviews with respect to the bond measure of 2002, uh, and this is not the campaign, this is after the fact, how the money was spent, there were a variety of views, and some were contradictory, uh, but there were some key themes that certainly came through loud and clear. Uh, the Performing Arts Center was one of those. Uh, several people expressed that it wasn't one of the priorities uh, from the 2002 bond measure, uh, that the facilities underutilized, not accessible, uh, and that it looks bad and looks unfinished and there's no money to operate. So there was a lot of discussion about the Corning Arts Center. Uh, there was um, comments about the college administration having overspent uh, on the 2002 bond measure. Uh, there were some other people that had the po a positive view, which said we did a good job given the impact of rising construction costs worldwide at the time. Uh, contradictorily, wasted taxpayer funds. There were cost overruns and not accountable. Uh, one of the things that was interesting, though, was that in all of the discussions, nobody said the bond was too much or too expensive. It wasn't the amount, it was what was done with it that were the criticisms that people were, were giving us. When we asked about the 2014 bond process, uh, the majority of the participants all agreed that uh, at all phases, the process should have been started soon. Uh, I think that's probably the key takeaway, uh, or one of two, actually, takeaways that we came away after this process is that you just didn't start soon. Um, and, and I think that's particularly in the context of the criticisms that you had leveled against you from 2002, again, right or wrong, doesn't matter, They're, they were still out there, and the fact that you lost in 2008. And you were the only community college that lost in 2008. Um, and, and I think that should have given you pause to say, hmm, maybe we need to do something different uh, than we had done in that context. And uh, we didn't look at the 2008 bond, but it certainly stands out as a pretty stark example. Uh, with respect to the bond plan, uh, participants again had mixed opinions uh, about the process leading up to it. Uh, many said the process was rushed, 
Uh, many said the plan was too general. There weren't any specifics, uh, and it, there needs to be a detailed master plan. Uh, some others said the plan was good on goals, uh, but not on details. Uh, they felt the priorities were correct, but there wasn't enough time to educate the community. Uh, the college assumed that the bond was needed uh, and just went through the motions was another criticism. Uh, out of touch, the plan in this case was out of touch with student programs needs and no connection to student success. Uh, there were some questions about the inclusion of the Veterans Center uh, and where that fit into the student programs and student success. Uh, the prior, some said the priorities were correct, but maintenance was not a driver of support, uh, and that's certainly true. Uh, maintenance of facilities is not very often something that voters are interested in. Uh, they seem that it should be something you would be doing already. Uh, the cost of planning is also an issue on the other side of the coin because it costs uh, a lot of money to do detailed architectural plans. Uh, when we looked at uh, the stakeholder involvement component of the process, uh, there were some very stark comments. Uh, and most agreed that uh, the stakeholder outreach was a problem. Uh, there were comments like, too little, too late, should have started sooner, uh, very disappointing, inexcusable, one-sided conversation. Uh, clearly, the community college needs to be uh, included, the college community, sorry, the college community needs to be included in the process and be supportive of a bond measure before moving forward, and our definition of what the community, community, the college community is, is the board of trustees, the students, the faculty, the administrative senate, uh, and and staff. I mean, it's the entire community. Uh, but I think stakeholders go beyond that. Um, the business community needs to be included in a stakeholder, and there was a feeling that they weren't. So, so it's not just your your yourself and and the college community, but it is the broader community as well. Uh, in terms of the non-advocacy outreach, that would be the outreach that was uh, undertaken during the bond pro uh, the master planning process and the um, uh, the lead up to putting the measure on the ballot. Uh, many thought the priorities were correct, but there just wasn't enough time. Again, you see this consistent theme: not enough time to educate the community, uh, and that you did not clearly communicate what the need was uh, for the bond, which is obviously. Community forums that were undertaken to do some of that outreach only reached a small number of people, uh, and there were, were not very many of them. Uh, and one of the other comments and criticisms was that really there needs to be positioning to address, or needed to be positioning to address the 2002 issues. Again, uh, whether that's positive or negative, you need to sort of get that uh, out of the way so it doesn't continue to be a touch point. Uh, in terms of the independent campaign effort, uh, there's not a lot to be said here. There's a lot of bullets, but it really comes down to there were just limited resources that were a consequence of too little. Uh, and that's too little financial resources uh, and too few volunteer resources. Uh, some said that the earthquake may have had an impact on both the, the volunteer and the financial resources. I think that that makes sense because there were other priorities in late August rather than working on a campaign. Uh, and August is the time you need to be hitting the ground running, not hitting the ground. Um, community forums were uh, few and poorly attended. There wasn't a clear plan. Again, I think that's a function of the resources 
um, and, and there were a few volunteers. Some felt that they weren't asked, um, and major endorsements were slow to appear. Again, I think that's a function of the earlier uh, external stakeholder outreach. When we asked people about the next steps, the vast majority of the executive interview participants supported the idea of moving forward with the bond in the future, uh, and most were supportive of the idea of considering 2016. Uh, the focus group participants in general were, while supportive of the college's needs, uh, they were certainly more circumspect about the just the simple ability to be ready for the 2016 ballot. Uh, and again, that's a function of starting early and going through the process to get all the stakeholders involved uh, and, and uh, supportive of the plan before there's uh, an effort to put something on the ballot. Uh, most of the participants suggested to begin the internal and external processes now. Uh, and I think that that's wise, given the track record. Uh, that means completing the master plan, including classroom and technology infrastructure, considering up-valley needs, uh, reaching out to the faculty and students early, uh, reach out to the external stakeholders, again, the business community, the wine industry, uh, and the taxpayers association. Uh, transparency is critical, uh, and you need to develop that positioning again to explain what happened with 2002, uh, as well as now what has happened in two bond failures uh, in 2008 and 2014. Uh, we need to identify measure, other measures that might be on the ballot. The ones that I've heard about uh, and personally know about uh, are the, um, the Napa Valley Unified School District, which is moving forward, uh, and the, I've heard that the St. Helena real estate, or City of St. Helena is considering a real estate property transfer tax. So you need to look at what else might be on the ballot. That was one of the things that most people agreed on. Uh, and then a lot of people agreed that ha having a measure in the high turnout election would be better than a low turnout election, which is obviously what happened uh, in November of last year. Uh, the next section is the survey results, and I'll try to skim over these a little quicker. Um, essentially, this we talked to the no voters, and what we found interesting is the their opinions closely mirrored the negative opinions we heard in the executive interviews and the focus groups, which suggests that those negative messages got out. They, they weren't just internal uh, they, or among uh, insiders among the political uh, class in the county. Uh, they had percolated out to the individual uh, voters. And those things included taxes. We don't want taxes. Uh, we should pay off the debt. They have enough money, they being college. Uh, past spending has been wasteful. Um, the measure is poorly worded or cons uh, confusing. One of the other things that we did find in this section that I thought was notable is even among no voters, when we talked about the tax threshold, uh, the, at 148, there was almost 10% of the no voters who were more likely to support it, 148 million, that is. Uh, that's sort of contradictory to what we heard among the executive interviews and the focus groups, that the tax amount wasn't an issue because we certainly saw a switch uh, when we, we talked about that with the, the voters. Um, also, about 39% of the no voters had unfavorable views of the district's efforts to manage taxpayer dollars. So again, that's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, again, past spending, waste, uh, accountability, um, not spent in the right places, etc. Uh, however, 59% of the no voters did like the idea of using potential bond funds to expand career training, classrooms and welding, trades, science, engineering, and healthcare. That was particularly attractive to them. 
So uh, after going through that fairly quickly, I apologize for that, uh, but in deference to your time, uh, we move into the conclusions. In recent years, really since Prop 39 passed, um, there have been hundreds of bond measures that have been successful. Uh, and I think that the success of all those has created a, um, a knee-jerk reaction that bond measures for school districts and community colleges are easy. Uh, it only takes 55%. Uh, I think that that is absolutely not the case. Uh, I think that you have to realize these aren't bond measures, they're tax measures. Um, and tax measures are never easy, and they are not anything like a candidate. They are a creature on, unto themselves, um, and the what if you if you take them casually, then I think you wind up in, in the situation that we're in today. Um, even districts that have had winning track records um, or strong polling numbers have lost because of the result of overconfidence and not paying attention to uh, to the details, um, or uh, not paying attention to many of the variables that need to happen and. Uh, it's really easy to slip below that 55% majority. Well, Measury got 53.84%, um, and that is a majority. It's not a supermajority. Uh, and the bottom line is you lost, um, and you need to be able to address that and, and sort of accept that and then move forward with what's the process to, to solve the, the issues. Uh, certainly, you can say that statewide turnout was low uh, for all the reasons that we know, and that's a reason. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter now that it's passed. Um, the statewide turnout, I mean, any political professional would have told you the day after the June election that the turnout in November was going to be precipitously low. So it wasn't a surprise that it happened. We all expected it. Um, we didn't expect it in January of 2014, but by June, we knew that there was going to be a big problem. Um, and there were for some other districts as well. Uh, and, but given the closeness of the, um, the turnout, uh, the, of the outcome and the turnout, it's easy to conclude, I think, that things might have gone better if, uh, and that it's okay. Um, but it's, again, still a loss, as I've said a couple times, uh, and I think that there are some systematic things that need to be done uh, better to avoid that kind of situation where the, you wound up in. Uh, we intentionally said systematic um, because of the number of issues that I think are, are key. Uh, the, first of all, the district didn't start early enough. Uh, there's no question about that in my mind, uh, particularly given the loss in 2008 and the criticisms surrounding the 2002 campaign as the environment. Uh, you had to say, wow, that's going to be challenging. We better start and do it. Um, as a result of starting late, the decision-making time frame was compressed into a very short period, and really the professionals that assisted you in the process were retained too late to, to maximize their skills and their uh, expertise. Uh, the taxpayer advocates had clearly articulated their concerns as early as the fall of the year before, um, and those needed to be addressed as well. Uh, the district's master plan had not been updated, and many believed the plan was just a rehash of 2002 and 2008, and those are, again, comments that we heard uh, in our executive interviews and focus groups. Uh, and next, the district didn't cement the support of internal stakeholders. Uh, I've seen several situations in K-12 districts where the po they have a 10% advantage um, and the stakeholders aren't on board. They don't even have to oppose it, even if the stakeholders are just neutral. 
it's easy for an opponent or an opposition or a person that's on the fence in terms of voting for it to say, if the teachers don't support this, why should um, And that's in K-12 district. You call them faculty. You, uh, you can say the same, same thing about the students. Um, and, and from our discussions in this review, there didn't really appear to be early outreach to the external stakeholders or either or the broad-based community uh, outreach that's necessary. So moving forward, uh, we believe that a future bond measure um, can be considered, uh, but you need to take nothing for granted. Uh, first, as I've been saying all throughout this presentation, you have to start earlier. Uh, you really have to hire a team of appropriate professionals now to do that, and I think that one of those professionals uh, or group of professionals uh, are people that specialize in stakeholder outreach. It's not something I do. It's not something outreach consultants do. There, there's a specific niche of people that help you with stakeholder um, input and process. Uh, I think you need to explain the 2002 bond measure, what the shortcomings were, what the contributions to the college have been. Uh, there's pluses and minuses, but I think you need to, to get that out there and get it out of the way. I think you need to complete the planning process before moving to the next step. Uh, and that means including engaging both the internal and external stakeholders uh, in two-way dialogue about what those students' needs are, what the facility and what the technology enhancements that can address those needs are. But it needs to be framed in terms of what are the students' needs. Uh, stakeholder support needs to be cemented. Uh, then you can think about testing voter support. Um, and that should be in light of those potential other measures that might be on the ballot. Uh, it, whenever you choose to go, uh, and then challenging external supporters. And I think this is a big part of it. That one of the problems with the campaign was the lack of resources. Uh, I've seen many school districts, again, more K-12, uh, that have said to the, the board, has literally said to supporters, you guys go out and raise money and prove to us that you're going to be able to do this. Uh, we're not just going to throw it over the fence and hope that the campaign appears. Now, you at the college can't do that, but you can charge somebody else. You can ask other people to do that for you. Uh, and I think that that's an important thing to, an um, important metric to look at when you're considering moving forward. Uh, and then finally, uh, I think communicate, communicate, communicate with both internal and external uh, stakeholders is really the, the hallmark. That concludes our presentation. I've tried to keep it short. Certainly happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, thank you. Does anyone have any questions on the board? I do. So uh, we heard that uh, other bonds passed for other colleges, and uh, their master plan didn't even have the specifics that we may have had. And I know that the recurring theme is time, time, time. We didn't have enough time. Is there anything, though, about that particular piece of it, about the master plan, that would have made a difference? Uh, well, I think the master plan would have made a difference at the stakeholder level. Um, the stakeholders weren't bought into the, to the plan, whatever it was, and whether it's the details of the master plan itself and you know, is there a building here or a building there, um, the voters probably aren't looking at it at that detail. They are looking to the stakeholders who have looked at it at that detail. If you don't have the stakeholders on board, then the voters going to conclude, well, why should I support this if the people who are the experts 
those internal college stakeholders, including yourselves, aren't supporting it, why should I? Because I haven't, as a voter, I haven't put in the effort that a trustee, a student, a faculty member, a staff member, or an admin member would have. Um, you're all, the, those community, those college community experts are the ones people look to. And if they don't buy into that plan, then the plan's not happening. So what you're saying is that the other colleges may not have as much detail, but they may have had more stakeholder buy-in. Yeah, I mean, one of those other colleges was San Mateo Community College, which is where I live and was one of my clients, um, and everybody was on board. We had a, they had a robust campaign, which included all of the stakeholders, all five of those groups. Anyone else? Thank you. Well, actually, I have a question. Um, I'm wondering the question about a bond measure in 2016. You said there was a difference between the executive, what do you call them, the executive committee and executive interviews, the staff and the faculty, and and those in the focus groups. Yeah, I'm wondering where did you, what was the conversation around that, and where, why did, why the difference in perspective? What were both sides saying? Yeah, I I think it's about time again. Uh, I think everybody is supportive of the need. Everybody realizes there are student. Um, success successes that need to to be supported by facilities. Um, I think the exec the people that we did executive interviews were more optimistic about whether that process could be um, uh, completed in time for a 2016 ballot. I think the executive or the focus group folks were less um, less optimistic about whether the process could be done. They were supportive of. 2016. They just didn't know if the, the process could be accomplished in that time period. And I think that you should be going. You, you have to pick a date. You can't pick a date so far out in the future that people will say, oh, we'll worry about that tomorrow. So I think 2018 is is that too far. I think you need to pick 2016 and go through the process with all of the stakeholders again. Uh, and it went, if you get to the point where you have to make a decision and you're not there, well, then you move it to the next election. But don't start thinking, well, we'll do this in 2020 because you won't start working on it until 2017. Did the focus groups, was there only concern time, or did they have other concerns as far as things that needed to be put into place before? It was mostly the time, and and I think that that does speak back to what is the master plan, what is the education plan, uh, and how how do we come to agreement on those so everybody says this is the right thing for the college. Um, but, you know, this is not the place to go into those details. That's the place for the stakeholder outreach. Anyone else? Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, on to constituent groups, Academic Senate. I s- Are we not taking any public comment on this? And should typically on an agenda item we take public comment. I don't know what, why this is different. Our questions, well, well, information discussion item. Well, it's not on the. Or the regular public comment. Does anyone uh, from the public care to uh, comment or have a question on this? No. Okay. So on to constituent group reports. Academic Senate. I. Uh, Looks like that chair is empty, so, oh. 
You switched. Okay. How about Administrative Senate? Good evening, Ken Arnold, President of Administrative Senate. One thing I'm going to report is that on uh, May 22nd, we concluded our first uh, leadership uh, development class. It was uh, an intensive session, four-hour intensive sessions over five months of uh, delving into various aspects of leadership. Uh, we're waiting on the evaluations to see how it went. Uh, we ended the session with uh, having a person come by the name of James Bailey, who is a uh, director and theater person from L.A., and Dr. Kraft was there, and he used a lot of very innovative art techniques to teach about managing change. Uh, he does it for the State Department all over the, the world. We were really fortunate to get him to come and do that. We're looking at whether or not uh, we're going to do that again in the future, another leadership academy. And then in September 11th, we are going to be doing an administrative retreat, and we'll probably have him come up and do some training uh, in uh, in the for the whole administration. That's all I've got. Thank you. Associated Students of College. This looks more like Victor Cruz than uh, Eleni. William. William. Or William Cruz, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, good evening. Uh, my name is William Cruz again. As many of you may know, I was the former president of the ASMC. I am the incoming sergeant at arms, so I'm not exactly abandoning the previous board. I'm still on the board. Um, this past month, May, the ASMC were really focusing on launching a more efficient board. A lot of time was spent into planning goals for the upcoming year. Some of you may or may not know that this board will have some compensation in form of a stipend for, for work and time being put into ASMC, which provides a strong incentive to make an effective board. The wonderful thing about the stipend in itself is that it correlates to our constitution and our bylaws, so in any way, it, you know, we are trying to be effective and efficient. Our current board has about 18 members, with three to four new members trying to join uh, this summer. And as of today, the Student Activity Center has received part of the brand new furniture that's uh, a part of our Student Activity Center committee five-step timeline plan. For the month of August, events and date include uh, August 12th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. We are having our food handler safety training on the 14th to the 16th. The ACC will have its leadership retreat in the Alliance Redwoods. On August 17th and 18th, we are having the welcome back tables, if anything. We are sponsoring some coffee and some donuts to offer the students for the you know, start of the year. On August 26th and 27th, the ICC uh, Club Rush will take place, being that it has moved up from its uh, previous years. Uh, that takes place sometime in mid-September. There will be an ASNBC meeting to go over the finances and the leadership retreat in itself and the logistics next week from June 15th. Uh, or from June 15th to July 15th, our office will be open from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Thank you. Thank you. We now have the classified association report. Mark Craddy, President. My name is Mark Craddy. Uh, it's good to be chopped liver from the last report we just saw. Uh, at least we got one mention in the whole thing. We are negotiating, as you saw earlier, before the closed session. A lot of our members are there. We're actively working for it and looking forward to uh, completion. Thank you. 
Thank you. Classified Senate Report, Chris Farmer. Um, this was our team that represented Napa Valley College at the Classified Leadership Institute in Tahoe this last weekend. Um, it's kind of hard to tell from the pictures, but we were marathon runners. We all had numbers on and medals around our necks, and we and we wore a very um, subtle color, so we wouldn't stand out, as you can tell. Um, there was eight of us. This is our whole Classified Senate board and a couple other members. It was a great conference, and besides having a lot of fun and a lot of bonding, we talked a lot with all the other Senates, and we talked about some of the big issues facing classified Senates going into this year, and one of the biggest issues was AB 2558, which, if you're not familiar with it, is the professional development law that was went into effect this year, and uh, some of its language, which classified Senate has been celebrating recently because it very clearly stipulates that professional development funds, which are promised to us, have not materialized yet but are still in debate, are to be shared equally amongst all constituency groups, including faculty, staff, and administrators. So, um, and this was reinforced by a letter with, from Bryce Harris, the chancellor, to the governors talking about how there's uh, what little staff development funds there have been over the years have been disproportionately given to faculty and how uh, it's time to address those inequities because the only way you really make a college better is if you help make all of its employees better. Um, a couple other colleges that we got to talk to, just to throw a few ideas out there. Uh, well, a lot of colleges have now changed the name of Flex Day. They've moved away from Flex. It's Professional Development Day or a College Day emphasizing that it's everybody's day, it's the entire college's day to get better, not just for faculty. Um, some colleges are also closing down the entire campus for a day, um, just for professional development ideas. So I just want to throw a few of those ideas out there. Um, uh, the Classified Senate will be pursuing some of these issues through our committee structure, so you'll probably hear from me again. And last but not least, our employee of the month is Mr. Jeremy Eklund, the testing and tutoring specialist. He's been here, I don't know how long has he been here, Laura, forever. He started, well, he started here as a student. He graduated from Napa Valley College. He was a part-time employee. He's worked in several offices. Now he runs our tutoring and assessment area and helps thousands of students every year start their journey in Napa Valley College. So Jeremy Eklund, our employee of the month. Thank you. Thank you. Faculty Association Report, Diana Chibati. Hi, um, I don't really have a report except to say I'm looking forward to the next year as the association president. That's it. That's what I got. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Diana. <laughs> On to uh, President's Report, 8.0. Hey, thank you. Um, we have uh, a big meeting tonight, and, and um, I put my some of my comments in a uh, a, board, uh, a um, president's report document that's that's posted. A couple of things I would say: um, some of the the first item really is about the governor, who's 
who's really saying, you know what, in 25 years he's really never seen such a, such a good and generous uh, outpouring from the state legislature for community colleges. He, he is quick to point out that um, other folks in the education sector feel that community colleges may be actually treated too well. So, it, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, arguing going on and politicking going on at the state level right now for um, some kind of readjustments, but I think that we should hold on to that. Also, I'm just noting here that we still haven't recovered from our purchasing power during the recession, and um, as we recover, um, we'll hopefully use these funds in the best possible way to help us um, regain our, our um, momentum and also um, be strategically sound. Um, UC incentives, another area here. Yeah, this has been on the books for a, kind of quite a long time, but um, as you can read here, first there was a commitment really having one third of UC's uh, new admissions come from community, should say community colleges, I think it's a misprint in there, it says committee, I think. Um, and it's been on the books a long while, but really uh, President Napolitano made clear intention to really follow through on this. So it's good news for us. It really means that there'll be more transfer pathways. And and if she's really serious about it, it, it means it's a, it's a very good place for the community colleges to be. Pathways are built on our associate degree programs, and um, they seem to be working admirably. I'll say it that way. They, there was really such a big push on these on these degree transfers um, they came through, the whole system came through in a pretty quick time frame, and um, they like them. UCs like them. They, they make sense to them. Their faculty is responding to those things. And so what happens is the articulation agreements are actually becoming easier through this. So that's what that is. You could read a little bit about it. Um, high-speed rail. Um, very interesting. Chancellor's office shared they had gone to the high-speed rail authority, HSR, and that as this thing moves forward, there's a lot of activity in and around labor, career and tech jobs, all of the jobs that would be um, foreseen, at least, um, in the future here. We're close in terms of our, our history. You know, Trustee Baldini's talked about rails, you know, for a long, long time. We have a rail line running right along us here, which is different than this high speed. But the reality is, you know, in combination with what the board saw tonight, which was a, uh, a board workshop at the welding um, shop down there, um, there's a lot of construction over the next, if this goes forward, the next 20 years or so, or in some people's eyes maybe, you know, the next few years, um, that really could be helpful for us. We're in the right spot. Um, we're not far from some of the bay pieces of this, and it um, could be interesting. So it'll, it'll start to show up. There's a link there and some other kinds of information for background. Baccalaureate program, just finishing up a little bit. Um, there were, As I suggested earlier, there were a couple other colleges that didn't go forward, so a few, or, few of them threw their hat in the ring at the last. Solana was on the first list, but they were selected to offer their degree in biotechnology, so they're concluded. Thank you, Tana. Um, and um, they... Um, the um, the reality is we may be able to work closer with them and articulate a little bit. Um, the legislation sunsets. It's it's a uh, in 2022, then the pilot will start again. That's what that's how the legislation reads right now. 
I went through the same process in Washington with about the same time frame. About halfway through the legislated timelines up there, it was doing so well that they, they offered legislation to expand. So I would not be surprised if in a couple years the legislation asks for a couple more colleges to open up. And so there, I know we had interest in respiratory therapy. There are two other programs out there. I doubt if we would be able to step back into that space, but there may be something that would be appropriate. Planning, um, the board is scheduled for a retreat, self-assessment, and goal setting in, in mid-July at Upper Valley Campus, and Dean Mano is going to help us um, up, up there. We'll have more there. Um, this is just a, a little uh, shout-out to Ken and team on this leadership as well. Um, I said the president's office in collaboration. It was really the administrative senate who did this completely and offered a, a nice, successful leadership pilot program this year. We intentionally tried to have a small cohort. Um, Christina Rivera, Jessica Milliken, Michelle Mano, and Ramon Salceda were, were in it. Special thanks go to Ken, who really pulled it together. It was, um, I, I think, a very good start for us. Money where our mouth is here a little bit. Help our managers and, and supervisors get the kind of training, leadership training they need that would be more helpful on the job, build their esprit de corps, help them create peer um, pieces, um, very successful. I think the goal here is to have another cohort in spring and then um, analyze that again, and then if it really goes, um, build that program so eventually all of our managers will have gone through this academy. Way to go, Ken. Nice job. Thank you. Um, accreditation, you'll hear more tonight. Uh, I wanted to thank the college community just generally at large, and especially you know, Robin Warnall and Eric Shearer and the Accreditation Steering Committee. We'll, we'll do that anyway, but they did a wonderful job. A lot of good work. Um, later during the accreditation report, I'll, I'll explain uh, a couple um, other pieces of it, but um, it's here tonight for us to, um, to take a look at and, um, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Adopt, maybe. Um, that's a better word, Caroline. Approve, that's a better word. Um, bookstore, good year at the bookstore. It was, it was really nice. They did their annual um, last month, and um, Glenna was there along with some other people. Um, overarching results for the bookstore, it's a good positive year, uh, posting 16% over last year. This year's total was about $1.6 We have a percentage of that that comes to the college, helps offset our general fund, and it's a very good thing for us. Um, I was in today, and they um, are gearing up for summer and doing very well. The sushi is still edible, they, they said. And the big, the big news on campus for students is, is ices, whether they should be cola ices or berry ices, I guess. And the Facebook page is burning up with opportunities. Cola one, by the way, so that's the new flavor. A um, couple things. These are just some things that we went to. There's a, a lot of good things um, happening. Thanks. I think Jeff is here. Yeah, Jeff taped the uh, really great idea. He came up with the idea of taping the ceremony um, for the graduation that was posted on Napa Broadcasting, and there's some really nice, um, you know, nice speeches on there and a, a real good coverage, and I think that's, that's been uh, highly well-received in the community, so I appreciate that. Um, a lot of other kinds of things here that you can read, but in the sake of time, um, I appreciate um, any comments you may want to send me on any of these or questions, and I can follow up any of that. 
Um, I do have here. Bill is here, I think, somewhere. Oh, there you are. Yeah, he was behind Ken. Hi, Bill Hardy is here from the uh, the foundation, and I would love to him just to um, say a few words. Thank you, President Kraft, uh, members of the board. It's uh, a pleasure to be here, and it's a particular pleasure at this time of year because this is when we hand out the money, and uh, we were able uh, through our endowment to hand out some $240,000 worth of scholarships this year. Among the outreaches we did in, in light of what Mr. Zogby was saying about communicate, 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 is we went to the high schools, to all the high school graduations, uh, and I particularly enjoyed going to Valley Oak where, where Amy Martinson uh, is on the faculty with a wonderful group of kids there. And, uh, you know, we, we, were, we made contact with a lot of people and, and we sort of... Uh, you know, showed that the, the college was part of our community and, and it also got hopefully more kids who live locally interested in coming to the school because the Alex Larison Fund, uh, which I've described uh, a couple of meetings ago, uh, just came into our, our uh, endowment, was used immediately for largely for high school kids. And as a result, it, 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 it's a clear ratification of our mission, which is to communicate, which is to be a bridge between the community and the college, and, and we take that very seriously. We uh, uh, have a couple of new board members. Uh, one of them is Ginny Humphrey. She's a, uh, ran a, a hedge fund or a, a fund in, uh, in the Hartford, uh, New York area. Uh, she's going to be a good finance person. Uh, and Bruce Ketron, who you know well, uh, is going to join the board, or has joined the board as of uh, as of next week. Uh, we have a matching gift from one of the faculty members uh, who is, is going to be uh, anonymous right now, but uh, uh, should be a really good thing for our unrestricted funds for our for our uh, foundation, which desperately needs it. But we are nearing the year end with a pretty healthy budget, and uh, we've done. Uh, a pretty good job of taking care of things. We haven't uh, done a, a major program, but we're, we have some ideas in the offing, and we will. Uh, we continue to be involved peripherally in, in the, the redo or remaking or expansion of the VWT program, and uh, uh, more about that later. But uh, uh, it's, been, it's a great time of year. I mean, it's, it, this, is, this job is fun when you, can, when you can help kids and you can see their faces and and the appreciation that, that people have for, for any help that we can give them. So we like that, and, and thanks for your support. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Vice um, President's report. Okay. No, no, you're good. Vice President's report. Gary? Good evening. Um, I just, actually my report will be pretty quick. I just want to touch on three items. Um, n number one, just to uh, reiterate what was already s at least part said tonight, with tonight's uh, board's action and approving uh, the hiring of uh, new full-time faculty, um, you have approved the hiring of eight full-time faculty in the last couple of months. Um, that's in English, speech, uh, a librarian, biology, a counselor, Sorry, Oscar, I stole that from you. VWT, uh, psychology, and hospitality. And so uh, thank you to the board. Um, I think this will be a great addition of faculty. 
uh, to our ranks, and I'm looking forward to um, beginning to work with these new people. Um, we have flown the second BWT position. It actually went online um, during closed session. Um, Laura and I were working on that, uh, trying to get that done. Um, it, it took a little bit longer than I'd hoped, but that in part was because we reached out to quite a few people in the industry, organizations in the industry, and we were able to get some good input into that job description and incorporate that into the verbiage that is now posted online. Um, it's a fairly quick hiring process um, uh, so that the hope still is that we will hire this person to start in the fall. And then the last thing that I wanted to touch on is uh, last month I gave you an update on where we were FTS-wise with uh, 2014-15. Um, and I had said that I'd be able to give you some better numbers tonight. Um, I, I actually can't give you really... Um, 99% sure of where we are with our numbers because we're still bringing some of those in. Um, currently, what our numbers show, so I'm not doing any estimates at all with these numbers, and without doing any estimates, um, we are 53 FTS above base and about 150 short of um, base plus restoration. Um, the reason that we're short is because positive attendance rosters are still coming in. Um, so currently I have for spring 15, 167 FTS from our positive attendance rosters. Our prediction is that that number will exceed 250. So we, we will probably bring in another 80 or 90 as soon as those rosters are submitted and entered into the system. And then the other number that's short are our positive attendance, I'm sorry, our non-credit positive attendance numbers, which as of today was at 160, and we predict that that will be closer to 240. So about another, about another 80 will come in from that. And I know that um, Michelle and her staff are working feverishly to get those numbers in. So, so once those numbers come in, we should be good. Um, the other the other part, though, that's a little bit lower is when I reported to you last month, we were predicting 428 FTS from summer. At this point, our summer enrollments are giving us 396 FTS, so we're a little short of that goal. Um, those numbers are continuing to rise, obviously, because um, the really the second session of summer starts on Monday. Um, that's the six and eight week session. Um, our first five-week session has already started, so, you know, that's pretty much done from those numbers. Um, we will see a continued increase in the six- and eight-week session up through Monday, Tuesday of next week as more students enroll and as students are added to many of those classes. We're actually adding a few classes. Um, you know, one of the issues is we're also counseling low enrolled classes, and so there's this constant up-down that's happening. Um, but as we cancel uh, low enroll classes where we're adding uh, high demand classes. Uh, so for example, we just, um, uh, Faye and uh, Stephanie Burns were working on adding another math class um, because we have wait lists in excess of 15 for a couple of those classes. And so we're going to, so we will be adding some more. And so I'm, I'm quite confident that our numbers for summer will continue to rise. So if anyone has any question on any of that, that was all I had for you tonight. Yep. Question. Just while I'm thinking of it right now, um, I have a question about the co-enrollment, uh, the, the high school students. Somebody just told me recently that they can't take PE and dance. Is that true? 
high school students for the free, you know, the free college credit? They are very limited on their ability to take both of those classes, both of those subject matters. They can take them, but, but at a very li- low level. And we have to work with the high schools on keeping those numbers down. And so, um, so yes, they can, but it's much more complicated to allow for that um, because, in fact, a number of years ago when concurrent enrollment kind of went away, it was because of abuses that both the K-12 and the community colleges were doing specifically in the areas of physical education. And so it's much more difficult. So we, we kind of um, try to sway away from that um, because we have to be more careful what we take, and we also have to be careful that we don't raise a red flag um, with the chancellor's office if we're um, if we're actually recruiting students for PE and dance, and so some of our some some of our marketing that we've done with high schools, I've been very deliberate and be sure that when we send flyers out to high schools, that we don't put physical education and dance classes in the list of classes that are available to them, so they can do it. But we just have to be really careful on the numbers that we allow. Laura. Thank you for recognizing recognizing me. I do appreciate that the board approved the eight faculty hires this year. I, I do want to do sort of a shout-out to my staff. Um, I know all the committee members, many of you are here, um, put many hours into reading applications and, and serving on committees, but it's an extraordinary amount of work. HR is, is very busy even when we're not hiring. So Kim Smith and Annie Takioka and Casey Jones, they prepared all kinds of materials they came in on weekends to accommodate uh, faculty in particular and administrators who couldn't get in to read applications. Uh, Liz Gomez has been doing benefit orientations. Becky's been making salary offers and developing contracts. So it's really a team effort, and they did a great job. So uh, we appreciate everybody's cooperation. It was a really, really big task this year, and we hope that we can find some money to buy an electronic system. So hopeful for that because I think it's a it's a time saver for everybody. So again, thank you to everyone who's in the room who supported those efforts. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Uh, and I think I may be a bit behind the times here, uh, but but at halftime, uh, the uh, the Warriors were ahead. I hope they still are, at 54 to 42. Uh, so I understand that. Uh, Wait, and I have, Thank I have, you for that report, Oscar. <laughs> you get the. Well, again, that was about a few minutes ago. Some of this changed. Thank you. Fantastic. And this is my daughter who sent me this information, so it's off the press. Uh, anyway, I, I have a couple of uh, charts that I'd like to share with you. Uh, this first one is to give you an idea of how many students we actually uh, get or recapture from our local high schools. And this is uh, um, a chart that that I can't take credit for. But it was a chart that was produced by, by uh, Chris Farmer. And I found it very interesting. Basically what it does is it shows that for the graduates of the 13-14 year, uh, how many of those students from each of those high schools that are noted actually came to Napa College uh, the, uh, in, in the fall of 14 and, and spring. Uh, the FTF stands for full-time freshman. Uh, correct, Chris? Thank you. And so, again, this is just to give you an idea of where we stand with, with our high school students the efforts that that were that we're making with with outreach and the inroads, and I think it shows some you know, some very good figures. Of course, they can always be improved, and that's the uh, that's the out, that's the goal of of the outreach people is to make certain that that we capture more students every year. And for Valley Oak, you know, you're you're number three, so uh, 
So that's good work for you as well. Any questions on this particular chart? Actually, I do. Um, when you say FTF, so is that an equivalent the same way we would do, and it's actually more students, but some of them are part-time, or is it you're only counting students that enroll as full-time students? Uh, no, that's, uh, I, I, think I, I think I misspoke. It's not full-time freshmen. It's first-time freshmen, so it's the first time they're here. It's, it's probably an antiquated code that's still in our system because we don't really call them freshmen here. I have a question about the the graduates. Um, are the does that include the graduating class of 2013 and 2014, or one or the other, for the high schools? Is that a combined number? It's for that one year. Those are the 2014 grads. 2014 grads. Okay. Thanks. The other. Uh, oh, I was just oh, going to comment. I just surprised about new tech like so low. Do we know why or? Any theories about new tech? Are they all just going to straight on to four year, or we don't know? The information that uh, that uh, that we receive is that many of the students do go straight to a to a four year college, um, and that's their choice, their preference. But we we offering classes there. Uh, we do uh, we do make the visits to that school as well. But apparently, that's at this point, that's where they're choosing to go. Well, and a lot of them take college classes while they're in high school. Yes. They have to as a requirement, so maybe they're already more poised to transfer. Mm -hmm. Chris? Yeah, and I think you uh, hit the nail right on the head there. If I did this and just looked at uh, students from New Tech that are enrolled here, they would, they would be a, probably the third highest. So there's a lot of New Tech students enrolled here, but a lot of them are concurrent. So the, they don't come here after they graduate. Well, I, th I think part of that speaks to, uh, you know, our, the last bond issue that, uh, that failed. We know that technologically we are not uh, ready for K-12 students, and uh, New Tech High are probably the most sophisticated of the techies graduating, so they're not drawn here because we don't have what they need. So you're saying that they would be going from new tech to old tech. That's right. The way we are right now, yeah. And the next piece of information that I, that I passed out is actually, this is information that Dr. Kraft shared with the audience at our commencement this year. Uh, and basically just wanted to make sure that you had this for your own, for information, so when you speak to your, to, to your constituents, you can uh, be proud of how well we've done here. Uh, more importantly, uh, 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 to I mean, highlight is that this year we, we awarded over 990 uh, total awards, uh, 671 were, were degrees, and 30, 319 were certificates. And that is the highest award or number of awards that Avalay College has, has ever awarded. So I think that's a, that's a major plus. And those were awarded to a total of 723 students. So again, this information is for you to, to take with you to, to share, copy, what you like to do. And uh, so when you talk to folks out there, you can give them some information about our graduates. Thank you. Thank you Question, would, would Justin Siena fall into that uh, below Calistoga as well as if we speculated on, on uh, uh, no, knowing you know that? What? I, 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 think, I think, just, well, Justin may maybe 
uh, above Calistoga. We have a handful of students, but I think it's more than three. But it'll be pretty close. And also, we we uh, we do make presentations to to Jensen as well, not as often as we do to the public schools, but we but we are there at least twice a year. Thank you. Thank you. Any other it, questions? If I could just add to that, um, with our concurrent enrollment program, which we are expanding, and we are in conversations with Justin Siena, they they are interested in us offering classes on their campus as well. And so I think as we do that, we'll see their numbers go up as well. Great. Thank you. And thank you, Chris. I would just draw your attention to a strategic um, communications report that's, um, that's in there. It's very big, long, goes from now to next year. And um, you can um, read it at your leisure. It's on the website. That's it. Okay. That's it for me. <laughs> approval of minutes. And uh, we have to defer the, that approval till next month. Not here yet. That's okay. No apology necessary. Carolee's been ill until just recently, so. Say la vie. Um, information discussion items. We've already done 10.1. 10.2, Child Development Center Annual Self-Study. And, and so our new director of the Child Development Center, Daryl Whitaker, is going to present this to you. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Hi, how are you this evening? Each year we need to uh, report to the state on both of our grants, our preschool and our infant toddler grants to the uh, California Department of Education. And so this is uh, this year's grant for 2014-15. The uh, report, the the entire report is attached to the uh, notes for the, uh, for the meeting. So I'm just going to give you a summary. Um, the purpose of the evaluation is to look at all aspects of, of the Child Development Center, um, to look at the strengths the area, and areas to improve, and as well as goals for the future. Um, all of the data for the report came from these areas that are on the screen. Um, so we, we conducted uh, parent advisory meetings. We surveyed the parents, uh, monitoring classrooms through our, our ECHRs and, and uh, ITERs, which are tools that we use to uh, look at the environments. We've assessed each of the children in the center, and uh, we we come up with scores for uh, their progress and, and their development. Um, so all these various areas we've taken the, the information from to generate the report. This year's report was different. Um, it asked for a lot of extra information that we didn't supply in the past. And so because this was my first um, year here, I was uh, kind of tasked to try to find this information and put it together. And I, I checked with our state analyst. I sent her a copy of the report before I ever turned it in, just to make sure that I was was um, doing it the right way. And she was pleased with the thoroughness of our report. Um, so all of these areas weren't in in the report in the past, and it's there's quite a bit of uh, 
information from this area. So basically they want to know if we're in compliance with each of these systems. And we are in compliance with in compliance with each of these systems. Let's see. Carol? Yes. Just if you can't answer this, don't. Okay. Um, compliance with due process? Can you unpack that a little um, bit? To make sure that, that everything is done the right way. So when, when a parent is enrolling, if for some reason they uh, they were not eligible and they felt that they, they should have been able to, to bring their child to the Child Development Center, they would be given a due process. They would be given a chance to um, talk to talk to people to find out why they weren't eligible, and um, and so they they could talk to me. That can they could actually take that to um, to Dr. Junie, whoever they need to talk to about that. So, so it's you. a due process for them. Is that right, Diana? That sounds right. Okay. <laughs> Um, Mr. Whitaker, yes. I was wondering if you could perhaps speak a little bit about the refraining from religious instruction. Is that has that been a problem in the past at the it, child care development? It center? hasn't been a problem that I know of, um, but it is part of the requirements uh, for the for the grant that we don't uh, teach religious instruction. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, let's see. So I'm these these are basically visual aids to kind of show you what we've done in the report is for the preschool desired results um, action plan is we reflect on last year's report and see if we've made progress so that we come up with a, an outcome uh, from the action steps that we took. And so each year we, we uh, say here's areas where we could, we could make some progress and these are the action steps that we're going to use to make that progress and then uh, in the next year's report, we give the outcomes of that. Did, were we successful with, with the, um, the action steps that we took? And so we were uh, successful in each of the areas that we, we expressed, uh, areas where we, we could make action steps and make some plans. Can I ask a question? Yes. I just wondering, um, what, what measures do you use? Or do all preschools have that kind of same tests that they use or how do you this is all from this is all from the desired results um, profile developmental profile and so it is a standard that the state requires but it's a standard that most uh, preschools use and infant uh, and toddler centers use Um, and so it is the standard is the standard that we use here in the state to develop to uh, measure development so we did the same for the, the infants and toddlers. We, we come up with a, an idea of what we want to do and then uh, come up with action steps and then, um, and then report on the outcomes. And the outcomes were positive for this one as well. Um, so this year we went ahead and, and came up with some other key findings. We look at the percentages in each classroom of where the children are at with their progress, and then we make some determinations on what, what statistics or what percentage we would like to take to the next level in their development. And then we start making action plans to come up with um, a plan of, you know, to, to look at the whole uh, classroom, what's being taught in the classroom, what we can do to bring children to the next level in their development. Um, so then we go ahead and look at those areas that, that we, we seem to, to have um, 
percentages of that that could be changed, and we look at those. So for the preschool classrooms, we looked at self self and social development, literacy and language development, mathematic development. And then we came up with um, some action steps, things that we wanted to do in the classrooms that would help children in those areas. And uh, and then we also, in those action steps, we and I didn't put this in the PowerPoint, but it's in the report, we actually come up with a, a deadline for those, those uh, types of actions that we're going to take and who is responsible for those actions. And so this is the infant toddlers, some of the, the domains that, that we wanted to see some positive changes in. So we came up with some uh, action steps for those domains, self-social development, literacy, language development, cognitive development, and then uh, physical and motor competency. Um, I wanted to share with you the parent survey because a, a lot of good things came out of that. Uh, responses from our parents, 100% of the parents felt that their children are safe and happy in the program, so that's, that's good news for us. Uh, majority of parents indicated that they would like more information regarding uh, parenting skills, discipline, uh, problems or concerns, um, and information about basically the program staff and a parent uh, training uh, meeting was conducted by our previous director and that, that meeting was well attended and successful. The parents reported that they, they got a lot out of it. Uh, the most successful st statistic for us here on the campus is that 93% of the parents surveyed said that their child being enrolled in the program made it easier for them to attend educational and training programs here on campus. And then where we're headed in the future, um, I wanted to share a few things. Uh, we're working here in the county on a QRIS, which is a quality rating improvement system. And we will be working with uh, Napa County First Five, as well as uh, Community Resources for Children. And uh, we have a consortium group. Diana's part of that group as well, Quality Early Learning Consortium. And we're coming up with a plan to help all of uh, the child care centers and uh, child development in our county to improve. And we're, we're going to be piloting that, um, and we're starting to work on that right now. Uh, I'll, I'll be attending a training on Saturday so <laughs> for DRDP 2015, which is another thing that we're going to be working on uh, this summer so that we're ready in fall as we launch DRDP, which is that developmental profile that I talked about earlier. We'll be uh, switching to the 2015 version, which is going to be a little more um, work for us, but... We'll, we'll learn how to do that. And then I also wanted to share with you that, um, that we, are, we were asked to pilot a, uh, an iPad Android app uh, by, by a company that is called Learning Genie. And this app will take the uh, 2015 DRDP and we'll be able to use a tablet and capture all the evidence that we need with the children's progress onto the tablet. The teachers will be able to use that to capture all of those things. And then it tabulates all of these statistics for us because I did all these by hand, and I'm looking forward to using an Android or an iPad to do that. Um, and so we were asked to pilot that. They are also asking that we become trainers of trainers for that. 
And so I'll be in contact with Napa Learns. I've already contacted uh, uh, somebody at Napa Learns to let them know that we're piloting this and see if there's interest in the county for that as well. And we're working closely with, with our, um, our Child Family Studies and Education Department to try to uh, provide a model lab uh, school for our students as well. Questions? Anyone? I just have a comment. It, I, that was a really well written document. I had to read it on the side of my computer because that's uh -oh. the way it showed up, but so it's hard to read. But I like the measurable goals and the action steps, and it's very well written, good. well Thank developed. So good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Dark. 10.3, first reading of new or revised board policies. Chapter 4, Academic Affairs. BP 4020, Program Curriculum and Course Development. BP 4040, Library Resources. BP 4100, Graduation Requirements for Degrees and Certificates. BP 4225, Course Repetition and Withdrawal. Chapter 5, Student Services. BP 700 Athletics. In keeping with board policy D1140, College Governance, Decision-Making, and Responsibilities, these policies were reviewed by the Council of Presidents and, as appropriate, by the Mutual Agreement Committee. It is anticipated that the board will take action on these policies at the July 2015 regular meeting. Question. Yes. Uh, I know about the review, but I'm assuming that uh, these are, are update changes driven by Ed Code or uh, departmental issues, since they're in varying areas. Yeah, these all came out of the Academic Senate as part of their um, sort of regular review cycle of Chapter 4 and parts of Chapter 5. Okay. Thank I'd you. Just like to clarify that BP forty fifty articulation is not included in this set for first reading. I got ahead of myself, and it actually hasn't been through the other groups yet. Thanks, I have, Curly. Sorry. I have one question, Ron. Maybe you know the answer to. Mm -hmm. um, so when the on the one policy about oh sorry on the one policy about uh, feasibility of new programs. Mm -hmm where it talked about uh, Senate and uh, Board of Trustees uh, task force. And then later it refers to a Board of Trustees designee, but then it doesn't, when it shows the task force, it really, I don't see where that person is. And I wondered if you... I don't. I can't answer that right now right off the cuff, but I can okay. certainly... Clarify for you. Unless uh, staff have, have any question. clue on this one? Where, can we look at it real fast? I mean, yeah. We, is it? Um, so page, I think it's uh, page starts at 6. 6 and 19, that one? Yeah. And then There's later, no I'm the trying to force. see where the line was that said something about a board of trustees designee. Oh, I see. It says it's like a joint academic senate board of trustees task force, but then there's no board member on the task force. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that it needs to be a board member, but who would be? Is there? Is there? Who do we designate to be that person? I mean, I just 
um, that language, uh, which I think if you're talking about page six, is part of an existing policy that is being replaced by the prior language. Um, it's page so, five. It's, yeah, it's page five. Yeah, so page five. I read it earlier, four, so I don't know where it was. Um, it's page five on the bottom. Okay. On page three you'll see a note that says the policy language above replaces all language in existing board policies I-7825 and I-7830, which is shown below. So the language that you're reading about the task force is being removed. Okay. Now, got it. That helps. Some, but not all of that language is being moved into an administrative regulation, and I can review that to see if there's reference to a task force. Okay. Okay. So my question about that board policy: the main thing is that academic senate's added, you know, added in several times, and I know that their representative is not here. But do I'm assuming they support the changes to the document? That is their change to the document. That is their change. Okay. Well, they they're the authors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, to reiterate the process, I mean, these are all um, 10 plus 1. And so they the, the main part of the process of doing this, number one, they went to an academic senate committee that did the initial draft, and then that went through various vetting. Um, then ultimately it went to academic senate business where it was approved, and then from there it goes to mutual agreement, which is Dr. Kraft, myself, on the district side, rep- representing the board and the um, the the president and first vice president of academic senate representing the senate, and and so we go over it again, make sure everything's good, and and so then we mutually agree. There's a signed document showing that mutual agreement has been met, and then that's the document that comes to you for your final approval. I just noticed I think there's a mistake on, um, I think, where it says AR4040, I think it's supposed to say BR4040. Where is that? Let me find it. Hold on a second. There are no BRs. I mean, board policy, BP, sorry, BP40. That's page 11. On the agenda, it says BR4040, and when I looked at the CCLC templates, it's BR4040. You you are correct. That should be BP4040. BP, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. A question on 4020. Uh, given what, uh, in the president's report, uh, the high-speed rail was mentioned, and... In 4020, there's a reference to a regional, uh, the regional market survey. What is our region? What would that be considered? Well, that's interesting. I, you know, I think you could say the broadly, the, you know, the North Bay region, you know, where our kind of drive time of our folks, either to come here or not, um, as far as we were going, I wish Chris were here because he could probably address this even in a more. Yeah, it, d- it does depend. I think, you know, you could clearly say if if there were other, we talked about this a little bit today, in fact, um, Sacramento City, 
College, and, and um, those areas are providing the kind of career and technical folks needed for like this rail project. But the demand is going to be great, so we're not outside of the realm of looking at some of the demand of these bigger projects. So I think it's the scope of the project, the, the reach, and what we already have in place to offer. So, Ron, yeah. So. Uh, the only thing I, that I might want to add to that is that with the Workforce Investment Board, we're partnering with that same uh, program, Jim Cassio's surveys, business surveys, and all of that, right? And so the regions that uh, they consider the region is Marin County, Sonoma County, Solano County, uh, is Lake included? Uh, so. Napa County. There were five. So Napa, Sonoma, Solano, Marin. Yeah, I guess it could be Lake then too. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah. Because our WIB is both Napa Lake. So I think that's when they're talking region. I think because they're use, it's the same surveys. There are some, I, you know, we've talked about. I think, a little bit. There are some super regional kind of programs that really draw folks from a lot. All over. Some of the solar farms in the desert, you know, yes, yes. big pull. And, you know, so it would depend. If we're close enough, close enough. Um, where it may be something very interesting to look at. But, but we do this annual annual uh, update, and you're, you'll be seeing that um, um, as part of the update of the educational master plan, some of the initial um, um, research. So there'll be a piece in there. If I can just expand on that, I, I mean, if we if we're talking about a new program um, that is leading toward jobs, so a career technical education program, part of how that would play out is, you, you know, and I'll I'll use auto as the example um, since we had conversations about that. And so if Napa Valley College felt that we could better serve our community by having an auto program. Um, part of that process would require that that program go to the regional uh, career technical education, the Bay, which is the Bay Area Regional Career Technical Education um, uh, deans. And they would require us to provide data that shows that there is sufficient workforce needs to allow this college to have an auto program, even though all the colleges around us also have one. And, and if we couldn't provide sufficient data that there's a, a need for that, then, then they would not approve it, and, and the chancellor's office would then not approve that program from us because it didn't get the support of that group. And, and so if you just kind of think, instead of auto, if it's something in supporting the rail, it's going to be the same sort of thing. What, what part of the industry would we be supporting? And, you know, the, the welding a demonstration that you had today would be a good example of that. You know, us expanding our welding program. Well, we don't we don't need approval to do that. We already have a welding program. So that would be something that would be really good for us to start trying to partner. But if there's another part of that rail that requires some sort of vocational program that we don't have, we, we would need to do the data. We would have Robin and Chris um, pull the workforce data to make sure that there is a true need and that it's local enough that it makes sense for Napa Valley College to be doing that and and if we we could do that we would have some of those conversations with the CTE deans before we went through all the work of putting 
that program together because what we don't want to do is do all the work of putting it together and then having it go to the the uh, the dean consortium and have them deny it and so we would want to make sure our data is strong in supporting that um, but it's really that Bay Area group of deans that we have to convince and Sacramento's not part of that you know so it's you know it it, it, it it's a not small but a, a fairly distinct group of um, Bay Area colleges, North Bay Area colleges that are in part of our approval process. So that, that would be my next question on, uh, I'm well aware of Sacramento City College's work and it's been mostly on uh, just kind of outline with no specific technology, but they have a, a program, they're offering classes. So if you were to do something like that, you wouldn't need their approval in that, because they're outside of the... We don't need Sac City's approval um, for that. Uh, you, you know, I, I actually, uh, you know, a really good example probably to use, because I was just having conversations today with people about it, is looking into a credit culinary program. And, and that, again, is, is a, you know, a good one to think about, because there are quite a few community colleges in the area that have a credit culinary program. And so part of what we're going to have to do is to put together the workforce need for culinary graduates in, in Napa Valley. And, you, you know, that one's probably easier because of the nature of the, the yes, valley. Yes. But, but we still have to have the approval of Santa Rosa JC, for example, because they're part of our consortium group. And so if they can convince the consortium group that their culinary program can generate sufficient graduates to serve the needs of Napa Valley then we won't be able to get that program through. And so that, that but, but Sac City, they're not part of us. We don't have to worry about them. And, and I, I will put together to help you, the board, have a better idea of how this works. I'll put together the list of the colleges that are part of our Career Technical Consortium so you would know who, who holds some power with us. And, you know, that's one way of thinking of it. The other way is we, we need to partner with them. And as we're talking about things like culinary programs, you know, we need to make sure that Solano and Santa Rosa and Marin are okay with what we're doing because they are all part of that uh, consortium that, that could say no. Outstanding. So it sounds like a, there's a pathway. There might be a Spartan course involved, but uh, we could get there. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, 11.0, consent calendar. With the exception of uh, the 11.7 and 11.8 are off the consent calendar. No, they're not off. Excuse me. Uh, I'll move approval of the consent calendar. With the corrections? Yes. Second. May I make a comment? Uh, you know, Napa Valley Support Services came to... Uh, to thank us tonight. Product services and injuries in Napa Valley Sports Services are programs uh, that have brought a uh, great deal of independence for uh, developmentally delayed adults in our community. And uh, one of the things that I've always regretted that we didn't do over the years was keep track of uh, those that living independent is one thing, but then who may have had reduced uh, SSI Social Security supplement in money from the government because they were able to work part time. I mean, it's a um, uh, that would have been substantial uh, over the years because 
the state hospital uh, in the 70s had uh, uh, over 2,000 devoutly delayed, uh, severely delayed, that we put together a program and, and uh, gave them enough independence they were able to move out into group homes. So uh, these both of these programs are... are uh, Phenomenal isn't the word, but they're they're life saving and life giving to this particular population. So I'm glad to see we've followed through. Anyone else on the consent calendar? Yes, I wanted to pull one item. Pardon I wanted me? to pull one item. Which the one? Um, the warrants eleven point one point one. Okay, eleven point one point one. That will be pulled for discussion. Anything else, Laura? Um, did you catch the corrections on 11.5 and 11.6? I believe the end dates of those contracts should have been 2016, not 2015. Yeah, those are the ones. Those are the corrections. Seven and five and no, five and six. Yeah, the corrections were for uh, 11.7 and 11.8. It said the term of the contract was through June 30th, 2015 oh. for five and six. Yeah, that's the ones that I sent to you. Um. Laura, you're looking at a misnumbered version. If you look, oh. you have like two eleven ones on your page. Oh, okay. Sorry, that. So it is the PSI and the NVSS contracts. Okay. Yeah. So I'm we're sure talking about the same, same corrections. Yeah. Okay. So with the aforementioned corrections and the pulling of item one point one point one, any other questions? Then all in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Do you, okay. do you need an amended motion to exclude an item? He did that. Yeah. Oh, he quoted it. Was, it. Yeah, right, I, I right. would. Uh, my second. He asked for the item to be pulled before there was a motion to approve the rest of it. My second holds. No, I made the motion before she said to pull it. Oh, she did. Okay, then. I'll change my motion to. Uh, my second holds. Okay. All in favor, say aye. Aye. So, 11.1.1 for discussion. Ms. Martinson. Yeah, I just, um, with the timing of it coming online and then Dr. Hawk leaving, I did had some question about some of the payments that I wanted to ask her, um, that I didn't get to ask her. So I was just wanting to move to postpone the approval of the warrants till the next meeting. Uh, is, it, is it possible that Glenna could answer your questions? I don't think she would know offhand. What these are, and there's several. Well, let's not insult her. Why don't do we just yeah. ask? Her, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was wondering about the two to Dell Marketing, one for thirty-five thousand and one for twenty-seven thousand. What the, what it was for? You yeah. Mean? Yeah, I'd have to actually look it up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Which I think, yeah, Janine would have to. Also. Yeah, Janine. We'd have to actually look up. Uh, so. The payment there's more than that, so I just rather than because so more. What yeah. you're asking then is to table that till the next meeting. Yeah, okay. is that's there a okay. Time sensitive reason oh. to not table that. I mean, uh, unless you'd like me to, I can go look it up now. I want you to do something else. It's a, it's up to the board. If we don't this, approve these, what is the? Uh, this is simply ratifying right. already completed payments. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you. Hold them, maybe just pull I mean, a few of the line items in question? Well, I don't think that's, a. I mean, I don't think that's appropriate because... I, I can still ask her about it the, after the fact. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's fine. Does it work? 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Sure. To provide info. It, we've yeah. we've made the payments, and yes, yes of course you can. Okay. 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 So then, is there a motion for eleven point one? So moved. What, Second. So what is so moved? Motion to approve it. Okay. Approve it. All in favor of the motion to approve eleven point one one, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Okay. Hearing none, let's move out of the consent calendar altogether. And on to action items. 12.1, approve and certify self-evaluation accreditation. It is, here we are, Eric and Robin. Yeah. You want me to do this piece right here, Robin? Yeah. Um, tonight's a, a, a good um, time for the board to <clears throat> take a little bit of time, approve and certify this self-avowed. Part of this, you know, it's part of the entire evaluation process is um, us doing this, what, that, what I'm going to do right now. Napa Valley College's accreditation review process includes opportunity for submission of third-party comments to the accrediting commission, accrediting commission of the community and junior colleges. Third-party comments associated with the self-evaluation review cycle must be received by the ACCJC no later than five weeks before scheduled commission consideration, which is January 2016. The form for submitting third-party comment is available on the ACCG, uh, ACCJC website. And such comments, if you can scroll it down a little bit, um, must be in writing and include contact information, name, address, phone number, etc. of the correspondent. It accepts the comments related to the institution's compliance with eligibility requirements, accreditation standards, commissions at any time. Um, and it, it is a part and parcel of the accrediting commission's um, open forum, if you will, for other kinds of views on the, on the report, and um, we look forward to third party participating. So with that, I would like to introduce the key stars of the uh, accreditation show, um, Eric and uh, Robin. They have a couple things for you to wade through here. All right. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the board. It's nice to see you all again. Uh, this is the last time that you're going to see me in this particular capacity. I'm sure that I'll, I'll uh, darken your doorstep at least a few more times before uh, the year is out. But for this, we want to bring closure to the accreditation process, for this stage, I should say, of the accreditation process, and just start with a little bit of a recap um, of where we've been over the last year. So um, as you know, we started the self-evaluation, the actual writing and, and evidence collection part of this uh, process uh, back in August. Um, we were selected to be the pilot school uh, for the new 2014 standards for the Accrediting Commission for Community and Junior Colleges. We got a lot of attention from around the state as a, as a result of doing this. Um, and not, not attention, but you know what I mean. It's, uh, um, we, we had a lot of interested inquiries from other schools that are getting ready to go through this. Um, we've done a lot of presentations and a lot of discussions with other people as a result, and it's been a fascinating journey for the college to go through. Um, as a result of being a pilot school, we received a lot of specialized training along the way, and we had the commission on speed dial, so Krista and Jack... Uh, uh, were and Susan and several others uh, were were uh, available for us at, on short notice, oftentimes to answer questions for us as we went through it, because we were kind of making some of it up as we went along, um, as the commission itself sort of settled on what the new standards meant in some cases. 
So 14 writing teams worked on this. Each writing team was composed of three members. Most of them had one representation from each one of the constituent groups, one administrator, one faculty, and one classified staff member. A couple of exceptions to that. And at least 34 total members of the community were involved directly in the writing of this report and the evidence gathering of this report. This was truly a group effort by the entire institution. Um, and additionally, everything was reviewed by multiple committees, uh, Academic Senate. We had public forums, multiple occasions uh, to look at all elements of the accreditation report. Uh, we had four iterative drafts of the report uh, that concluded in the beginning of May with the posting of the fourth and final draft, which has now been up on the website for approximately three weeks, I think, now at this point. So um, one thing I want to highlight here at the, at the beginning about this process, one of the new things with the accrediting process this time around was the inclusion of a new component called the Quality Focus Essay. This caused a lot of anxiety around the state, we discovered, as we talked to people around the state um, about it. This is a component that's common in other regional accrediting uh, uh, processes, but this is the first time that this has been used by the Accrediting Commission for, juniors, for Community and Junior Colleges. The Quality Focus Essay is, uh, if you will, sort of a uh, distillation of what, uh, what we found in the report itself. And it was intended to be uh, something that focused on two or three action projects that the college would undertake in the coming years as a direct result of the findings from the report itself. So as a result of, the, of, of that, our Quality Focus Essay selected three targeted areas for action projects and improvement and institutionalization over the coming years. Um, one of them has to do with student learning outcomes assessment. I won't go into the full details on that right now, but this is an area where all community colleges in this state for the past 10 years have been working on, and it's been an interesting process of getting this um, instituted uh, across the state. And our college has done very well in some areas and needs improvement in others. And so the action project associated with this is going to be building on what we do well and attempting to use those good practices to help bolster those areas where we need a little more help. Additionally, we have another action project that's associated with the integration of planning and resource allocation. Again, this is something that's common to almost any community college in this state. Uh, this is a, an, an ongoing issue for all community colleges and is something that, that where we've had some very good successes on this front and some areas where we, where we have room for improvement. And we're really excited, actually, about this particular component of the Quality Focus Essay because we've done really good work in many areas, and that came out in the report. And there were very clear areas where we need to improve uh, a little bit the linkage between how we allocate resources and our planning process. And then finally, um, we had this third category for the quality focus essay that was a little bit more amorphous. Um, it took us a couple of months uh, for us and for the steering committee to kind of nail down in a sort of summation or a pithy way exactly what this is about. But the basis of the uh, but but the basic idea of the third component of the quality focus essay is that the college can improve, can build on some existing practices right now, but improve its regular evaluation of policies, structures, committees, processes, etc. Um, and so this is a, this was a, a, an area of focus for the quality focus essay, where we felt that this was an area where the college could again build on existing practices, where we are doing that sort of evaluation and analysis, and get something in place that's a little more regular, a little more systematic, and a little more focused on. Uh, the college mission and on student success, quite frankly. Um, so that's that's sort of where where we have been on that. Um, the quality focus essay is going to be a major component of what happens uh, during the site during the site visit in spring, and then going forward from here, the self uh, the midterm evaluations 
that we'll be doing will largely be uh, updates and reports on the quality focus assay, along with any other findings that come in from the site visit team. Um, I am going to talk a little bit about the remaining timeline. So right now we are in summer 2015, and we are putting the final touches on the report and conducting the final review for edits and making sure that all of the evidence is in place. And as we conduct the final evidence, we are also creating a glossary of acronyms that will be included at the end of the report. Uh, there are two components of the report that are being finalized and that haven't been posted on the website yet, and I just want to, in the spirit of transparency, let you know about those. Uh, one is the compliance checklist um, that's new for the 2014 standard uh, review process. And um, in the compliance checklist, we indicate our compliance with federal and federal regulations and commission policies. And I'm working to finalize that, and I anticipate posting it on the website next week. Uh, the other piece covers changes and plans arising out of the self-evaluation process. And this represents the final required component for self-evaluation under the 2014 standards. It replaced the actionable improvement plans for past reviews. And this section will summarize changes that we have made or um, identified during the self-evaluation process, and I will compile it as I conduct the final review and um, send everything to the graphics designer. Um, so therefore, I can assure you that it will reflect and summarize what is already in the report. So even though we're conducting the final review and edits, there will not be any changes to the nature or substance of the report. Uh, we've started submitting portions of the document to a graphics designer to lay out the report, and we are on, on schedule for getting all of the materials sent out to the visiting team and the commission by July 29th. Um, as we await the final production of the report, we will begin preparing for the visit by the external evaluation team. So that's what's on the docket for summer. And now we move to the fall um, when we uh, anticipate that we will produce a supplement report to update um, and accompany our self-evaluation report. That will be made available to the team um, upon their arrival. And it will, at a minimum, include data through um, the academic year that we just completed, so 2014-2015. Uh, as well as updates on plans and other activities described in the report, and again, particularly those that we highlighted that work would begin in fall 2015. Uh, the external evaluation team will be here Monday, September 28th through Thursday, October 1st, and if you haven't already marked your calendar, you should do so accordingly. Um, they will present their exit report on Thursday, October 1st, and we anticipate that being around noon um, but those details will be finalized in the coming months, and we will keep you and the campus community apprised of the details as they uh, materialize. Um, I also have an update on the visiting team. And this week we received communication from Jack Pond of the ACCJC, notifying us of the membership of the team that has been assigned to NBC. And this kind of um, dovetails with what Eric said earlier about uh, our involvement and people's interest in us serving as a pilot. We have 14 members on our review team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 14. So, so <laughs> we're popular, I guess. That's one way to look at it. Um, so the team chair will be visiting MVC prior to the team visit, and the date for that is yet to be determined. Um, the purpose of that visit is to help prepare for the upcoming team visit, and so that's logistics and heavily involving my office in terms of the um, showing them the, him the team room and the schedule and, and working uh, with uh, what he anticipates the team needing while they're 
we're here. Uh, so um, the team leaves on October 1st, and then we wait. Um, but there's one exception to that, and that's the team will share the external evaluation report with the CEO following the visit, and Dr. Kraft will have the opportunity to correct any errors of fact in the report. Um, that report will not include the team's recommendation regarding MVC's accreditation status, and we will not learn that at the exit report or in the written draft that's shared with the CEO. Um, and so we will not learn our status until the commission convenes and takes action, which brings us to spring 2016, uh, when the commission will act on our report at its meeting in January 2016, uh, so in our report in com combination with the team's evaluation of us that they conducted through reviewing our self-evaluation report and then uh, conducting the site visit. Uh, MVC should receive the letter from the commission indicating our status and including recommendations in early February of 2016, and then we will post that on the website as required. Which brings us to the action item tonight. So this is where uh, you guys weigh in on this. So the agenda item that we have here in front of us is for approval and certification of the self-evaluation report. The certification page itself reads as follows. This institutional self-evaluation report is submitted to the ACCJC for the purpose of assisting in the determination of the institution's accreditation status. We certify that there was broad participation by the campus community, and we believe the self-evaluation report accurately reflects the nature and substance of this institution. And with that, what questions do you have for us tonight? Anyone? I do. Is is it well? My main question is: Is it too late to suggest changes to our standard that relates to the board standard four? Uh, I guess it depends. <laughs> I guess you can submit it, and we will see. It. I just there's. I mean, there's just. I'm just. There's two things that that we have that we've met that I think are actually areas of improvement. So. I don't think the evidence will support that we've met them, so I just have concerns about that. Yeah. So, so with something with something on that scale, we're at the point right now where we where it is uh, actually in the hands of the graphic designer right now. So we're we're actually past the point where that kind of substantive, um, that sort of substantive revision to a standard is going to happen. That said, um, the uh, the. The supplement, thank you, uh, Dr. Kraft. Yeah, the, so the supplement that we'll be putting out in September, if there's anything that we'd like to correct there as a fact, that, that sort of thing in the supplement, we can address things like that in that report that will also be given to the site visit team uh, that will be coming in at the end of September. Would it, or maybe a different approach rather than changing the document is to try to correct those things before the site well, visit well, comes? Is that would, possible? Uh, but we would correct those at a board, individual That's board. That's what I member, mean. But it, yeah. yeah. The entire board would need to agree with exactly. So, is Sorry. this the time to express the concerns and to see if we can have it agendized in the future? If the board agrees that there are also issues, or well, we could certainly have the discussion. So, the the, the document is pretty well in the can right now. I don't mean the document. I mean more changing what we're doing. Absolutely, yeah. To make you, it fit with we the can document, bring it back up, and it could be in the supplement too. And some of that discussion could be in there as well. It sounds like something we saying that the same? can be uh, discussed in our self evaluation. When is that? That's July 23rd. But I think that everything is due. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, All yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think what everyone's saying is that since we'll be doing a supplement that will provide the team when they arrive here, then we can give them updates 
you know, in the spirit of continuous improvement that the board conducted its evaluation in July or whenever it's going yeah, to be. Yeah, it is July. That type of thing. I mean, these are things that if the board agrees could be fixed before. Even if, you know, maybe at the, I'll talk to you about it. Robin, mm-hmm. for someone who's not been through this process before, um, when you said the team of 14 and everybody's like, wow, 14 people, what's typical? What do we have to measure that with? Um, I think last time around there were 10 to 12 maybe. And when I asked Krista earlier in January, they anticipated 11 or 12. And so it's 13 plus the chair, so 14. Um, I, uh, Eric mentioned that we have um, them on speed dial. I did spend 40 minutes on the phone with multiple ACCJC staff yesterday. And uh, Krista wasn't aware of it. Since Jack's the one that handles the composition of the team, she wasn't aware of how big it was. And I said, yep, all 14 of them. And she kind of chuckled and she said, well, I guess that everyone is interested in learning about the new standards and our experience with them. That was her perspective on it. Uh, Let's get real. Spending four or five days in the Napa Valley at the expense of (laughs) accreditation. And if if you look at the membership of the team, too, one of of the things you'll you'll see is that there's multiple members from the Los Angeles Community College District (laughs) on the team, and LACCD is up next. All nine schools in that district are going through this, and they are the next people that will be working under these standards. So I think that there was a lot of interest, perhaps, from that district as well. In terms of full full disclosure... Uh, do they understand that it would be nearly impossible to find a place for 14 people to stay in Napa County? We, we are on top of it. Yes, so we are, we've been working on reservations um, this week. Um, I, I should say that the, um, the, the team chair doesn't know the, the um, team membership yet. It's only been shared with um, Ron as the CEO and me as the ALO. Um, so there, there might be some minor adjustments, but as of the list that we received, um, everyone is from California. Uh, at this point, and I, I think that's in the spirit of what the um, ACCJC is trying to do in terms of helping to minimize the cost um, of the accreditation, the comprehensive site visit for member institutions, because we have to, you know, pay for the hotel, lodging, everything while they're here. So. Any pay for that? We, oh yeah, hmm? yes, we pay for that. But we don't uh, dictate how many people they can bring. We, right. Yeah, yeah. And and one and another thing that has changed a little bit um, since at least the last time that we went through it is that um, everything that is um, all, all the paperwork gets paid by the individuals for their lodging and their cost of travel, and then it gets channeled through the ACCJC for review before we receive the invoice. So. Right. Maybe you just so you haven't run any difficulty. Is it crush time? Yes. Yes. So you haven't run any oh. in difficulty of getting reservations. That's. Uh, yeah, Amira called earlier this week to make sure and said that we needed 14 rooms and plus a hospitality room for them to meet in, and we'll be making the reservation on Monday. Probably so. the price went up about 25% because of crush, but... Vacaville's uh, not too far away. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, we need this action, don't we? All right. Okay, is there a motion to approve... The accreditation report. So move. I'm going to offer Gabriel the chance. Oh. You can, he can have it next time. Too late. <laughs> Never mind. No. Um, all in favor signify by saying aye. 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 I, I just want to say thank you for your leadership, that, you know, the two of you. I know it's been a, you know, the 
multiple people involved, but, you know, there has to be somebody that uh, stays the course and, and particularly with the new, uh, the new guidelines. So thank you. Thank you. Beyond thank you. Carly, I didn't vote, and I'm going to abstain just because I think there are things that aren't consistent in our section. I wanted to also thank you guys. Having not been through the process, and this is the first time for me, you guys have done an amazing job at explaining it and helping me understand it. So thank oh, and you. A little, a little bit that I uh, participated in just opened my eyes to it's really pulling teeth to get people to cooperate. I understand that. And, <laughs> and uh, as much as you want to appreciate all the help, we all know that you two have done at least 90% of the work. So thank you. And next thank year will you. be your time to hire out on the side to do some other it's campus with the new rules. Uh, so while the board approved it, um, Dan, is the, as the board chair, is the one that signs it. So could I... Get your signature now. Sure. Allowed. Why don't you give it to me, and then we'll we'll do it in a while. That's good because if we flunk, <laughs> if we Amy, flunk, he's responsible. Sorry, why did you abstain? I missed it. Sorry. Okay. There were concerns with four C. Because section four, because there's things I think don't that aren't accurate. Next, changes to the curriculum. Do we really need to change it? Go ahead and enlighten us. I don't know if there are any questions about the curriculum. I do want to point out a few things um, in this curriculum. Um, on the last page, uh, 3.4, a new program, um, and especially to give credit to the author who's back talking with Robin. Um, an AAT in elementary teacher education. Um, and so this will be an additional ADT that Napa Valley College um, will have in its arsenal. And uh, Diana did a lot of work to make this happen, um, including writing a, a geography course. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so many of the courses actually that are in here, um, either being modified or new courses, are to support this degree. And I think that this will be really good for our students that are in, um, that, that, that their goal in life is to become elementary school teachers. And so um, this is actually a really good program. Um, many of the other courses, as I said, some of them are part of that degree. Um, others are expanding in our computer science program, which is also really good. Um, and then you see some additional courses in PE as we start moving toward um, offering sand volleyball even though we're a long way from the beach. And I will not take credit for that, even though I am from a beach area. <laughs> um, so anyway, if, if there are any questions, I'll gladly answer this. Oh, actually, the one other thing I did want to say, I was giving credit to Diana for that degree. I also want to give credit to our outgoing curriculum chair, who um, uh, is the empty seat sitting there now, because she is now our new academic senate president, Amanda Badgett. Um, since I have been here, working with her as the co-chair of the curriculum committee. Um, she is an amazing person and has a, done a great job in driving curriculum at this college. Um, we're going to miss her as a, 
as her role in the curriculum committee, but I'm quite confident that we'll be glad she's sitting in the seat of the Academic Senate President. So. Thank you. Um, Dr. Junia had a question about these classes. Will they be available um, in fall 2016 or is there, or fall 2015, or is there a timeline for them to be brought? Um, that's possible, but um, so the ones that probably will be available for fall 2015 would be the ones that are part of the ADT in elementary teacher education because currently at the Chancellor's Office, the number one priority are ADTs. And so, um, th so those have a chance. Um, the others are still possible, but basically they have to be approved by the Chancellor's Office. Um, they will not be in our catalog because they've all missed the, the catalog date. And so what will happen is once these new, new courses as well as the new programs are um, approved at the Chancellor's Office, we will have to um, put on our website an addendum to our catalog. And if that all can happen 45 days before fall starts, um, then the answer to that, your question is yes. But, but it, will be, it will be really tight because of where we are basically right. in regard to the start of fall. Thank you. Except for the sand volleyball, if he can't get the sand. It's, it's the point. We, we, we're, we're, we're using the uh, sand volleyball court at Kennedy Park for this course. So, um. Cool. Diana I, <laughs> Diana, I would say it's me. I would say I, was, I talked about this elementary teacher ed at Napa Learns. There's great excitement across that district. They're, they're really excited about us being a part of their training for teachers. So thumbs up. Is there a motion to approve the So moved. Second. You've got to be quicker, Gabriel. This is part of the learning curve here. I'll get to it. Okay. All in favor, say aye. 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 12.3, five-year capital outlay construction plan. Take it away, Matt. Hello again. It's time for the annual submission of the five-year capital outlay plan. Uh, what we have here is the uh, district order of priority for projects. Uh, give you a little background. The five-year capital outlay plan is used by the state uh, to help the chancellor's office demonstrate what the total facility needs are for community colleges across the state. And they initially did this so that the community colleges could be on more equal footing with the UC system and CSU system uh, so that they could demonstrate again what the total funding need is. Then the individual district or the chancellor's office uses the individual district plans to appropriate or, or to assign funds for projects assuming that the state has money. And that's where the, the rub is. Uh, typically... What that means is the, the state has to have a statewide facilities bond for community colleges or K through 14, which they've done in the past, so that they can designate some of that money. There's been a recent change, basically, over the last number of years by the governor of California, first uh, with uh, Schwarzenegger and now with Brown, where there's less inclination to want to put uh, a statewide facilities bond on the ballot and more pushing it down to the local level, trying to come up with alternative funding sources. So basically what this is, this list that we have here is 
based off of our existing facilities master plan, the update process that we did last fall, uh, and list the projects. There's nothing in this order of projects or any of the projects that are on there that are obligating the district to doing these projects in this order. Uh, and I've actually made a foot, there's actually a, a subtitle and then a footnote that both says that they're subject to change with the update of the educational master plan as we go into the uh, fall, and then ultimately an update of the facilities master plan after we update the educational plan. Earlier tonight we heard about the need for that as we move forward, and this, again, I included that information there to say that these things are subject to change in scope based on that information that we gather in that update of the educational master plan as well as the update of the facilities master plan. Uh, we do currently have two projects that are eligible for state funding. And, and I want to stress that. That doesn't mean that we're going to get the state funding. It means that it's possible. And what that can, is contingent on is state money. Ultimately, it would be a statewide facilities bond. And as I said a minute ago, Governor Brown is clearly not in support of that. There is a, a group that's called CASH that's trying to get something on the ballot uh, in 16 that's primarily K-12, but there, some people have said there might be some money for, for college projects in that, community college project. But that would, the chancellor's office doesn't know how that money will be divvied up. So they're continuing the process. So, again, the two projects that we have that technically qualify are the Building 1800 Modernization, which has already been approved but is waiting funding at some magic date in the future, and that would be a 50-50 match with us. And then the other project is Modernization of the Machine Tool Welding Building that you guys visited earlier uh, this evening, or actually this afternoon. That's another project. But because of the fact that the state doesn't have any money, they're telling all the districts, put one project forward at a time, that's all you can have on the docket right now. So typically what we do is, is when we don't receive any money, we just push the dates out for future things. And that's what this list is representative of. Matt, um, what's the old designation of 1800? Uh, that was the 700 building. Uh, okay. Is that right? 700, yes. Some days, Joanne, all I can remember the old numbers, and then <laughs> I'm gradually hooking I, on I, to the new ones. Yeah, I, I, I haven't converted. Yeah. One of the things that I do want to mention, too, as I said, this doesn't lock us into anything. Uh, let's say that Project 9, Building 3700 Art Center Phase 2 Remodeling, if, if uh, a donor came forward or there was a capital uh, donation uh, campaign that went on to do that project, that could jump to the top of the list and we could do those out of order. So this, is, again, is primarily related to what the funding sources are, and the two top projects are the ones, like I said, that are eligible for state funding. <coughs> Any questions? So these are all, like, really big, big projects for this plan. I, I was wondering... Um, Kind of a theme I've noticed that the meetings has been different groups have come forward and just talked about kind of small projects, just kind of um, more cosmetic. I know that we heard it tonight from the vet center and the VWT students have said similar things about their area and also the adjunct faculty with their staff lounge. Is there money in the budget just to do some of those smaller 
cosmetic types of projects? There, there is. And so a lot of that money that gets talked about, those things are, are in my department's budget. So building repair and those kinds of things. So we have a work order process to do that. We also have a facilities committee that talks about those different smaller projects to try to help prioritize those. So it falls into, uh, again, a prioritizing whether we have enough money to do that, where does it rise to the top, uh, do we have the staff to do it, and those kinds of things. So I know my staff have already visited the vet center and talked with them a little bit about the ideas that they have and what they want to do. So we're already working with them on that. Uh, but there are mechanisms to do that for the smaller the smaller things. Anything else? Move approval of the 15 five-year capital outlay, outlay construction plan. I motion to approve. Oh, she just moved. You're, you want to second. <laughs> I second. Motion signified by saying aye. 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 <laughs> okay. 12.4. Tentative budget. Glenna. Yes. I'm here. Are there any questions on the budget? Do we need to go over it? We did go over it a couple weeks ago, but I am here to answer any questions that I can. Does anyone have any questions? Have any questions on any of the funds? I just have one. I'm, I'm still okay. learning budgets. I'm new, okay. and so I'm still figuring out. And I didn't notice this last time, so I just had a question about it. Um, sure. So, is this on the, the general fund? Amy? Yeah, the first page. Mm -hmm. So it's comparing like our current year with next year, and for our current year, um, it, it says the the fund balance. Estimate of actual, so I'm assuming that means like right now, yes, 3.89 percent, and then so I'm wondering, does that mean that we did dip below the five percent reserve for this year, and then and then it looks like do we have a three million dollar deficit? Because I understand the parentheses mean negative balance. So I was just wondering because okay. I thought that we got that all in order. Okay, so Sorry. what? I'll go through the the percent first. The 3.89 is is based on that uh, undesignated ending fund balance at 1.355. So actually what what ha what we what we do is we we separate the the actual ending balance. The the, the total balance was 3.139683. You see that? Fund balance after Gasby set yeah, aside. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 the total money we had. We are required to have a 5% reserve, as you know, by the Chancellor's Office. And what we're saying is the next line, that 1.783, that's mm -hmm. the 5%. And then after, if you subtract that 1.783 from 3139, you're going to get the 1.355. That is what's left after we've, we've accomplished making the reserve of 5%, and that's what is the 3.89. So basically what, we're, what it is is that the total amount that we that we ended with the three point one three nine is really five percent plus three eight point eight nine. So we had an ending balance of eight point eight nine, but five percent we have to have for the chancellor's office. Okay. Okay. What, and what, now and then your happen? your other question about the negative three point one six two. Okay. If you what that is is that is means we spent three million more than in, in expenditures than we had in income. It's the it's the excess 
expenditures. So does that we have need so we deficit spend we're well we're estimating it that we we will deficit spend we we don't know yet for sure and that's this is of course not final yet but that's what what my estimate is is yes that we will have spent and that's I don't that, know. is that the same as that we have a three million dollar deficit or is is that no. the same thing? No. no, no. Just meant we went into that, our reserve. Yeah, just that's that just much. for the year. Okay, because we don't have a deficit. We're at three point one three nine to the good, but we did overspend. So actually, what that means is, if you go back up to the very top uh-huh. of that column, up to the very first page, you see six point three zero one six million three zero one yeah. seven six. That's what we started with. Well, we we overspent by three million, and that's how we get that three point one three nine. Balance. Does that okay. help yeah. you? Yes. Thank okay. you. Thank You're welcome. It, it You're welcome. might be it, important to also to note that, you know, you could say overspent, but uh, off the budget, but it, some of this was strategic. So we were. Right. Um, there are different reasons adding why more, that happened. Yeah. more classes, hiring more part time faculty, right. which really boosted this number up to help us meet our FTE goal for this. And we'll, and we'll, yeah, move it to the, 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 uh, the results will move to fifteen, sixteen for that too. I mean, increase that income. Thank you. Sure. Any other questions on any of the, any of the funds? This this uh, summary page, BC two eighty. Were we cut a hundred grand? I'm sorry. The summary page for which one? Oh, that's this. This is just a supplemental page. Oh, oh. That, that had. Um, it's not oh, part of this yes. package. It's just kind yes. of information. We were cut uh, hundred thousand. Where are you, Michael? I'm sorry. BC two eighty. BC two. It's not an election year, and oh, so see. we oh. don't need that money there. Thought I had to do without water. Oh no no we yeah. we'll let you have All one right, one a month. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Sparkling water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is is there a motion? I motion. Yay, Gabriel. Gabriel. Making a motion to approve. Okay, all in favor of of approving. Which one is that? That's twelve point four tentative budget. Signify by saying aye. 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 Okay. Twelve point five. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Interfund transfer. Still, Glenna. Okay. Uh, This interfund transfer is is just an estimate of. Where we could be, it's not a definite estimate of this is um, what we could have to uh, transfer to the general fund to make them whole if if they deficit spend. And by de- and w- in the case of the child care fund, their beginning balance is very small, and if they deficit spend, they will have a deficit balance if if that happens. As of April, we didn't expect when we prepared the the tentative budget, we didn't expect them to deficit spend. But in looking at May and then going forward for some of the expenditures in June, it's possible that that may happen. And this, I don't think it's going to be one hundred twenty-five thousand, but I wanted a cushion just in case. And um, this is not an unusual occurrence. Almost all child development centers. Um, have negative balances because of the the compliance issues that they have in payroll, mostly. Um, They're required to have so many employees for a certain amount of children, and 
we really have no control over some of those things. So that's what this, this is for. Any questions? And again, this is not definite. The 125000 is not definite. Um, we don't know yet, but I, but I have to request something from you so that as a just-in-case scenario. I'll motion to approve. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you. I, I know you already approved it, yes. but, but I, did, I did want to make a comment about that. Um, we, we now have a new permanent director, and so um, it is our hope, and Daryl is working hard to um, bring this down with the idea that, that you won't have to do this in the future. And so... Um, obviously, I'm not going to guarantee that, but I believe that we will be working toward that um, in the years to come. And, and Daryl's working really hard on a staffing plan to help with that. So, um, And you saw his work tonight, so I think yes. um, you understand that I'm confident what that will happen. One other question I have about that, I should have asked it earlier, but if the 125 is more than is actually necessary, what, goes, what happens to the balance of that? Just goes back if, into oh, right. We don't transfer. We only transfer what is necessary. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's why I said it's just a cushion just in case. Right. Yeah. We, we haven't done anything yet. Okay. Right. Yeah. Very good. 12.6, resolution establishing the 2014-15 appropriations GAN limit. That's me Janice again. Um, this is um, something that we have to do for the Chancellor's Office. It, it's actually a... An amendment that's by law it was developed I looked it up tonight in case anybody asked and even if you don't ask I'm going to tell you it was in 1979 um, but it's what it does is it places limits on the growth of expenditures um, for publicly funded programs and that's what we are so it's a worksheet that that's prepared every year by our office and the limit for 15 16 and we have to do this before June 30 for the following year for the next year um, every year, and so the limit for fifteen sixteen is forty seven million one oh eight nine nineteen and i I'm not sure if, is that is the worksheet in the in their documents it is the limit on spending you mean the limit on spending is that yes. enough Th yes that's correct yeah is there a motion Most to approve second on the question anyone? All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Looks like it's unanimous. Okay. 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 So 12.7 bid for catalog print services. Sorry. Move approval of the print services. Second. As recommended. I just had a question about it. I was, I was just curious if there were any local bids. I, I saw that there were six bids, and I was just wondering if there were any local bids. You know, I don't know if this is um, Creasy Printing local. Do we know? how we're Illinois. On? I looked them up. You did? <laughs> I was just curious. Do we know? Yeah. I don't. I don't have the answer to that. I don't you know. know. We usually go for the lowest bid that with re, re, repeat business. So right. Can yeah. I, yeah. Can uh, so I know that the Ed Code says lowest, but it also uses a term responsible. Mm -hmm. 
responsive, meaning that they met all the elements of the bid. No, there was a there was a term about something a about a bid. responsible bid, responsible. our responsible choice, our selection. It's a responsible bidder who gives you a responsive bid. Right. <laughs> so, responsible bidder. So, it, it just seemed like it left a little room that if, you know, we wanted to choose someone local, sustainable, um, that wasn't necessarily the lowest bidder that yeah, we could. There's, a, there's room. I mean, you, you know, if there were qualitative pieces... And you're really close on this, especially on these low bids. When when you really get into issues, is a significant a, a significant bid, and it's clear the board is trying to sway it to go to another higher bidder for some reason. But I think you know, as long as we you could articulate it, this one I would not do it. It's but we could review review the board policy and around this, so it, it fell in compliance with law, did not violate anything, but allowed you. To look at some qualitative factors, that would be helpful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we can I, I we can certainly I do that. Would, this is yeah. far under the bid limit. I yeah. don't think typically it would even come here. Right. For I'd be interested in just in general looking at that board policy sure. to consider something like somebody local. Just right. we talked about the importance of connecting with the community, and I think that's a really great way of connecting with the community is using mm-hmm. local businesses. And it's probably more of an AR than the policy itself. Just kind of the underlying piece. Especially former students work there. Well, and and also, if I could just add, if it's, you know, um, somebody paying minimum wage, I don't want to support, you know, I just, I think that we need more qualifying information on some of these. Good. Point well taken. So I, I, I would like to see that from now on. Yeah, that since uh, they're in the midst of uh, process right now, I mean, well, this one's for catalog. Yeah, I would say, I was say please that, don't stop this one because right, we need this. We I, need I, this I, thing I, out I, there. So, if the message is you're, t- you know, what you and uh, Amy are talking about, the message is that more consideration to that um, in the future. Yeah. The next ones yeah. that come through, I, I'd support that. Well, yeah, and always, I just, I just want to mention. Yeah, and I want to mention too, though, that I've brought this up, I think, three times now, um, and so I really, really, really like us to have a. You know, we have to stay within the law, but I'd really like for us to look at some more, or to bring to us more qualifying information, or to feel like, uh, you know, we've looked at bigger picture and not just the price and it's somebody in Illinois and you know. Yeah. Well if a good part of our mission is to train people for the workforce mm-hmm. to earn at least living wages then we should stand up for that. Well, one of our values, the college's values is responsibility so it's also modeling our values so. Right. I think we're there, all there's a little bit more leeway with an RFP right. but for bidding you really can't exclude anyone from opportunities at public dollars based on where they're located. Right. Um, if they can do the work and there's no reason to think they couldn't, you can't say no to them. But in an RFP for a consultant and professional services, there's there's a little more leeway. Yeah, you could write that in to the uh, to the RFP. Take a look. Sorry, sorry what's that acronym? 
the RFP. Do you usually submit out for it, or how does it? Request for a proposal. Okay. Now, I don't even remember if there was a motion on this yet. Well, was, was, and there was a second. No, okay. Was All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Okay, 12.8, Proposition 30, Education Protection Account Spending Plan. Lena. Oops, sorry. This is the um, the sales tax money and the, the, the Prop 30 money that we get, and we're required to spend it in a, or actually we're required to not spend it on administrative wages and so forth. But we have to um, submit a resolution. The auditors check for this also, the chancellor's office checks, just saying that, attesting that we will not do that. We will, um, you can spend it for faculty salaries, instructional um, expenditures, as long as it's not administrative salaries or benefits. So that's what this is about. Um, and it just, we're kind of explaining it a little bit. The amount that we expect is about four point five million. I don't know for sure exactly yet, exactly how much it's going to be. But I have already identified, <coughs> excuse me, those um, uh, expenses that I will be covering with with this this funding. So that's basically what this is. There's any questions? I had a question. So uh-huh. this is money though that's already been spent. We're just right because it's 2014, 2015. So yes, this, this is, is money that's already been spent. Right, Prop thirty money, right? right. And it's and it, it's well, it's Prop thirty. Yes, we already have the expenditures, and we have received most of the Prop thirty money. And right now, what I what I do theoretically is I keep the Prop thirty money segregated, and then I move expenditures in to match that at the end of the year, so that it's dollar for dollar. And what so I'm saying is, this money's already been spent. We're just before we question, okay? Lena, we need a motion. I'll move approval. I'll second. Okay. Why do we need a motion beforehand? Discussion. Oh, motion to discuss. So this is just like kind of public notification of how the correct. money was correct. spent this year? Correct. That's correct. So I was For wondering. auditing purposes. Okay. And then I was wondering, because part of it saying, you know, that we're acknowledging how the money was spent and that it's going to be put online, I'm assuming so the public can know how it was spent. But it's a lot of numbers, and, and it doesn't really mean anything to me or the public. And I was just wondering well, what it is and if it could be put in that kind of language so it actually is informative, not just us, but to the public. Sure. I mean, it's salaries and, it's salaries and benefits of faculty, but we can do that, yes. Um, I also noticed that there was a lot of duplicate numbers. Is that, um, are they all applying? I don't know if this is, like, could I see, could if I each see number again? is an individual a member of the personnel, and if they're getting, wh- and why they're broken up into different, like the first one is one one. No yeah, four. because it, what the, those are, the, what actually it is, it's by person. I, when I created this worksheet, right. it was by person. So yes, so these are if, all they, if they're duplicate numbers, that means there were two faculty teaching that. Mm, okay. Yes. So and then just kind of thinking to the future. I know Dr. Mm-hmm. Hawk and her. Report. She talked about Prop 30. Well, she just talked about one-time monies um, and just talked about using it for one-time costs and to build reserves. And so I was wondering, is there a point where we can kind of weigh in on how the money will be spent next year or not? Or is there any discussion about how the money will be spent next year, the Prop 30's money, or 
when does that conversation start happening? Well, I think it's the Prop 30 comes in. Let me think about this for a second. Comes in in, in in bulk, if you will, but it kind of feeds in. It's what we can't spend it on. That's really the right. Key. That's the really the it's issue. It's not really what we do spend it on. I guess I was just thinking, you know, because it is one-time money. She talked about n- ah. not spending it on salaries, which are ongoing, but more on kind of one-time costs, oh, like maybe this, like yeah, you know, maintenance or or yeah. savings or that kind of thing. This really wasn't isn't considered one-time yeah. money, though. No, I mean no. It's 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 it was part. Of, it's part of the apportionment uh, formula. It is going to, going to go away, and maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah, that's yes. Funny. But but we have to spend it on on this. I mean, it's part of it's a major part of our our budget. I think you did see it on Glenna's explanation and Dr. Hawk's presentation, where you can see it kind of fading out in the in the years. Remember, right. it was reduction, right. reduction. We're hoping that it gets renewed, but we're kind of pre-planning, and so you are in that loop and have actually endorsed that concept of not relying on this money. So you're already there. That's what I'm saying, because these faculty members will be around, and the money's going away. We're we're shifting, and that's why we're starting to to recognize that shift, that this money's not going to be here. So by kind of right-sizing the ship right now, hopefully it gets renewed, but we're not counting on that at all. So you're right on on target here. So I I move to... um, to, how do I say it, accept this document with the change to everyday language instead of numbers? A second. Oh, wait a minute. There's already we a are, motion on the floor. We have a motion. So, I can't move to amend? I thought I could move to amend the motion. That's what I was doing. No? I read my Robert's Rules recently. Right, right. right. No, I'm, I'm learning. So you're, you're proposing an amendment to the motion that would have Glenna reword this to a more layman's yeah. Term. Well, the, what we're what's on the agenda is the uh, yeah. is the resolution, right. not and, this. And it does say salaries and, and benefits, I believe, doesn't it? Does it or does it not? Yes, but part of the resolution is that it's going to be put online, and I'm assuming it's this document that's going to be put online right now, right? The resolution so, is going to be put online. But are the numbers going to be put online? The the long String no. of character. No, that's not going to be put on the total. Probably the, the total. total. Okay. Well, the resolution I, says that how the money spent would be put online. So it, well, you, oh, I understand what you're looking for. So you you would like language that describes um, this money was used for. But it this. does say that the res yeah. the, the resolution does say that it, yeah. on salaries, benefits, and operating expenses related to instructional activities and capital outlay. Right, but that's all the possibilities, but in reality, this is exactly how it was spent, and it's just salaries and benefits. It's not oh, okay. capital outlay. Oh, so it's just not strike all the different part. options. Are there any instructional materials or anything else in there? No, this, no it was just salaries okay. and benefits. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you want to so we can make an amendment to the motion to have it listed just as salaries and benefits? Yeah, that works too, yeah. Okay, and who made the motion originally? I did. Do you accept the amendment to the motion? It, is that changing the resolution that we're talking about? I mean, that was verbiage in the resolution. We're not talking about that list of numbers. That's not going on the website. Doesn't make any sense to anybody. It's. I mean, that's internal. It yes, was an internal lang- document. The language to the resolution. Yes. Yeah. The, you're just talking about the language to the resolution. Yes. Yes, I accept that amendment. Okay. So with that amendment. All in favor of 12.8? So 
Uh, by saying aye. 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 All opposed? 12.9, Division Chair Election. It is recommended that the Board of Trustees approve the results of the Division Chair Election for the Language and Development Studies Division. Move to approve. Congratulations to TL. Seconded. Okay. Anyone on this? Okay, all in favor say aye. Aye. What's so funny? 12.10. Negotiation proposals for the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals. Laura. Um, and I don't know if Mark wants to speak to this at all, but each year both the, uh, the unions, uh, faculty and the classified unions, submit a proposal for items um, which, in which they have an intent to bargain. And the district also prepares a proposal. We call them intent to bargains or bargaining proposals. And this is, you know, consistent with the EERA and government code. So we had our um, public hearing. And this is an opportunity or a requirement that you um, really es essentially accept those proposals. So as we move into negotiations in the future for this 15, 16 year, we'll... Uh, I'm kind of doing 1210 through 1213 at the same time. Um, but essentially... We're asserting, the, the classified have asserted what they're interested in bargaining. We've asserted the same, similar things and given specific lists, and the same applies to the faculty. Do you have any questions? We also, our proposals typically do say we have, we reserve the right to add, modify, delete, and so we have a pretty fluid system of negotiation. If something comes up that's of import, we generally say, yes, let's talk about it and make resolution. Move approval. Is there a second? Second. On the question, anyone? All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 12.11, Napa Valley Community College District proposal for negotiations with the Napa Valley College Association of Classified Professionals for contract period beginning July 1st. Move approval. Second. All in favor say, say aye. 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 12.12. Move approval. Second. <laughs> All in favor say aye. Aye. 12.13. Is there a motion? Move approval. Second. On the question, anyone? All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 We thank you. 12.14. Second reading of board policies recommended to be repealed. That would be H4520 salary checks and deductions replaced by BP7385 salary and deductions. 17331 withdrawal included in the BP4225 course repetition and withdrawal. In keeping with board policy D1140, College of Governance, Decision Making and Responsibilities, these policies were reviewed for the, through the Council of Presidents and as appropriate by the Mutual Agreement Committee. Is there a motion? I'll move approval. I'll second it. <laughs> On the question. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Those no. Okay. That's all for the action items. Board reports. Board of... Nice try. You just skip right over this one. <laughs> no. Oh. 
15 1. That an, that's not an action item. 13.1. No, it's information for us for the retreat. Trustees self evaluation workshop discussion. This item is placed on the agenda to allow discussion of the board's biennial self evaluation. Topics may include board policy 2745, board self evaluation evaluation procedures. AR-2745, the self-evaluation survey instrument and accreditation standard 4.C.-governing point dash governing board. The self-evaluation workshop is scheduled for July 23rd, 2015 at 9 a.m. I believe it's going to be at the Upper Valley Campus. Am I correct about that? It is. I have a clarifying question um, in my calendar. I've put in that we have a retreat on the 7th. Is this not the same event? Is it, has this been the moved? The 7th? July 7th. Wow. That doesn't ring a bell for me. Yeah, that's... So I was just wondering if this is that same event or if it's something different. This... I believe this is the finalized date yeah, for so that Yes, it must event. be. So move it to the 23rd. Okay. I'm looking... I have no. July 7th ring clear. I'm going to be gone then anyway. Right. So, so this is scheduled for the 23rd, right? 23rd, yeah. Mm-hmm. From, and I have from 9 to noon at the Upper Valley Campus. And I think, Ron, you had recently asked me to see if everyone could stay till 2. Yeah. We tried, you know, it, well, I've captured you there. <laughs> yeah. And I can feed you. You yeah. know, then um, we might be able to do some more lengthy planning, a little bit a little bit of other things as well. But all, all under this goal set piece. I do have a board packet here that Carolee and I want to go over just briefly with you because there's some... There's some stuff that I want to do here um, to make sure that uh, we're kind of all on the same page. If I can do that. So the package you have in front of you, it's item 13.1. There's a board self self-eval, um, board policy, which is pretty straightforward, no, no changes. Everybody have this that's looking through it? Um, then there is a an AR um, reg. 2745, and you'll see a couple red-lined pieces in there. It's up on the screen as well. Um, this one was prior to... We we have a couple suggestions for you. The I'll just read one. says the board shall conduct a self-eval once every other year. Fine. The president of the board shall arrange for a facilitator to lead the evaluation process. Um, the kind of older language, so I wanted to change it here to say, can arrange for facilitation of the evaluation process, um, which means that we're still looking for a facilitator. Which one do you want? Um, AR 2745. Yeah. yeah, oh, it's probably back to back. Yeah. Of the bigger, the bigger packet yeah. or the little one? I'll wait for you. So you should have a second to last. Yeah. A second from the front. You're right. Ooh. On mine it says page two of forty two on the top. Okay. This is mine. This is a doc. Okay, I got it. It's page two. You with me? You good? Um so these are just some suggestions here on this AR. Um they, it only applies to you that allow us a little more flexibility. So um, the president of the board shall arrange for facilitation of the process, which is good. Puts, it, it takes away the pressure of the board chair of trying to locate, find, and secure a facilitator somewhere in the state. It just it, it pushes it off. And then we've added the superintendent, me, 
or facilitator in conjunction with the president of the board shall be responsible for developing it. So it just allows the the, the board the board president, me and the facilitator, however they work, to help help the, through this process. So you're not having to hire somebody to do this process for you on the outside every time, which was the intent of this AR anyway. I think generally speaking, we try to use people inside to save money if we can or, or not. Although I'm looking for you for an outside person, and we've identified a couple couple potentials here. Um, a, a trustee from Butte um, has been recommended, and there's a couple other people who are really knowledgeable in this who might join us and help facilitate that. Outside of that, there's we've just... In, down on number seven, there's a, a correction to the new standard for accreditation. That's all. Where I really wanted to... Is the idea that um, that maybe we won't bring in somebody, like the, either Trustee DeGuardi or you would facilitate? Is that the idea that one... No. Oh, no. Okay. No, it just, it just really says that it's not all up to the board chair to find the facilitator, and that the president can help find oh, that okay. person. Just making it a little easier. Well, it, what? Heather? Yeah, Ron facilitated the last one. I did, and and um, Laura facilitated a couple years ago. You know, there's there's different people inside. There are times in which, I, and I thought with our new board, um, we're still working together as a team. I think I think if we can find an outside person for this, I think it would be good for us. You know, um, but we may not be able to find somebody, um, even bringing them up um, to Upper Valley. On page nine of forty two is the CCLC resources. And I wanted to call your attention to, if I can find that page, Carol, you probably have it. It's probably on the... Um, on page 29 of 42, if you'll take a look at that, we're suggesting that we use... We piloted a... A survey instrument that we adapted for.